I should probably plan something big for that. We should. I mean, we did something big for 100. We should like get a whole bunch of guests that we've had and just have them all like just come in. Yeah. Throughout the the podcast, people call in or whatever we do here. We should do that. It's not 1999 anymore. We're not calling in anymore. <laughs> Call in to. Yeah. yeah. I think I actually made a phone number like a Google number at one point, but I, I never figured that. the whole thing out. Yeah. It sucked. Yeah. Uh, Katie is not here right now. She may. Or may not be here later. We'll see. She's doing parent stuff. You know, one of us has to actually be a functioning parent. And uh, it's not me. It's uh, by choice. Katie's, by, Katie's better at it. That, that's true. She is better at it. Uh, let's do sponsor stuff. She's not here. So if you are looking for a high quality PVC rack or cage or sign or acrylic enclosure. or If you've been listening to this for 187 episodes, you already know where to go. <laughs> that is true. Hit up Robert at lsreptileracks.com. Uh, anything that can be cut with a laser, wood signs any of that stuff uh i'm gonna throw me in there now stickers if you need stickers did you come up with a name you can do something i did i actually oh i gotta check i I think i have a logo uh our guy that made our logo for us for the podcast has been working on a logo for me and uh oh yeah it just got sent to me that's it that's pretty good isn't it i love that one so it's simply stickers because i'm simply serpents uh, and so we kept the whole thing. So you were simply bio. I was simply got, bio. Yeah. So it's, it's a simple thing. Again. Yeah. Well, you're not gonna have time now with the stickers. I know. But uh, if you need stickers, uh, uh, there's no minimum quality. I will do quantity, quality. There's there's no minimum quality. There's minimal quality. Yeah. There's maximum quality here. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no minimum quantity. <laughs> quantity. Quan. You want one sticker, James? I'll, I'll make one sticker. He'll take your one dollar. <laughs> I will gladly take your one dollar. Oh, anyways, so hit me up. Also, uh, check out VivTech products if you need UVB LED. There's so many letters there. It gets UVB LED light bulbs. High quality. Especially if you need them ASAP. I was trying to think of another acronym, and I got nothing. I, <laughs> yeah, brain, I'm, I'm brain, exhausted. My brain, <laughs> brain went blank. That was it. Uh, or any other smart devices, which I really want to get some of those cameras and yeah. some of the other smart those sensors. Cameras, those are nice. Yes. So check them out. They, uh, they, they posted a picture the other day of like just an entire living room full of light bulbs that they're going through and testing every single light bulb before they sell it yeah and uh, reboxing them yeah so so hit up vivtech use code gumbo 22 and save 15 percent on your order through vivtech also little shop of horrors is a small feeder and pet supply business based in san antonio and they regularly schedule feeder meetups around san antonio as well as other neighboring towns and cities they offer shipping on their feeder insects, isopods, and are working on starting shipping on their feeder rodents, too. All feeders are raised on a nutritional diet that optimizes the health of the reptiles and amphibians that consume them. Go check them out. Lewis is awesome. He'll set you up with some great feeders. Uh, so give Lewis a check out, and especially if you're in the San Antonio area, you should be getting your feeders uh, from him. Anyways. I think Luke Lewis had the best answer on our, on our question when we get to it later today, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm done with leaving. Oh, herps. Duh, herps. I had it pulled up. I was good. Uh, Herp shows coming up. Herp shows. The next one is Lake Charles, which we will be at. We'll be at Lake Charles. That is Robert's daughter's birthday weekend. Yep, should be twenty one. Couple dates. What's the dates of the show? November fourth and November fifth. Yeah, she turns twenty one on the second. So ah, so we will be there. Um, go check us out. We should have some stickers on the table. Uh, I will probably have boas there. If anybody wants to buy a boa, please please buy a boa. I need to I need to buy some racks. 
and uh, I need the bows gone so I can buy racks. Although, ironically, once they're gone, I will have space in racks. But I still need racks. Yeah. Uh, I, I seem to keep getting snakes. Yeah, you got a new boa last week, didn't you? I did for my friends over at Colossal Constrictors. They sent me an amazing little snake. And then a few days later, I didn't show this to you. It's downstairs. I'll show it to you later. They sent me a birth certificate. Like nice. a full-size paper printed with the picture of the mom, the dad, the day it was born. <laughs> this birth certificate. It's awesome. Hey, got to do what you can do to stand out. But that snake is great. He's going to be amazing in a couple of years when he is ready to breed. So uh, check out Colossal Constrictors. We're doing a giveaway. I wanted to do it this month, but I dropped the ball on it. We're doing a giveaway with them next month. And in December, the one next month will be a, a shirt and sticker giveaway. We'll give away one of our shirts and our stickers sponsored by Colossal Constrictors. And then I'm just randomly pointing at the wall behind me. Yeah, I was looking. I'm like, what do you keep pointing back there for? Just It's, you know, the, the world behind me. Sure. Uh, the sign that should be on the wall that I still haven't hung up because the problem is once I leave this room and go downstairs. You never come up here again. I never, I go up, if I come up, I turn and go towards my snake room, which is the opposite direction. Was Katie feed them, I guess? Yeah, this is her lizard. I'm not, I'm not feeding them. Yeah. Uh, so I don't come up here. That's her corn snake. That's her corn snake. I do feed that one because yeah. it's a snake. And so I'm feeding on the snakes. But uh, the sign will get put up. Anyways, I was saying something and I forgot. Anyways, back to the Herb's Reptile Shows. Lake Charles is November 4th, November 5th. Come see us. Uh, West Monroe, Louisiana is November 18th and November 19th. We won't be there. You won't be, be there. Be, you will be, be I won't be there. Yeah. Raul will be there. Go see our buddy. Uh, I think JT is going to be there. I think so. John Grant. He'll be there. Go say hi to John Grant. Tell him you, you heard us make fun of him. It's going to be a long drive. It's a long drive. Uh, then Austin, Texas, December 2nd, December 3rd. I want to be at that one. You'll be at that one. Austin. Most likely. I like Austin. Go see Corey. Uh, then over to Slidell, December 9th, December 10th. Then over to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, January 13th, the 14th. You won't be at that one. No. 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 If I uh, never step foot in Oklahoma <laughs> again in my life, it'll be too soon. <laughs> Longview, Texas, January 20th, 21st. Conroe, Texas, we'll all be at that one. That's my birthday weekend. January 27th, January 28th, which is my birthday. And then Corpus Christi, Texas, February 24th, February 25th. So that is all sponsors. I also want to give a shout out to one of our listeners, Nathan Holcomb. Um, I got a message last night from Nathan. And if anybody's on our on our discussion page and comments on questions and all that, you'll see Nathan's name always pop up. Uh, we have a website now. Thanks to Nathan. Une- unexpectedly. Unexpectedly. He, he messaged me last night with a, with the a URL and you can go to reptilegumbopodcast.com and uh, he's working on loading up all of our podcasts in there. So all of our audio podcasts will be on there. He even has pictures of us on there, which is a little creepy, Nathan. A little creepy. Stalkerish. Yeah, that's definitely straight from my Facebook page. Yeah. <clears throat> Mine I'm going to send him another picture. <laughs> uh, but no, it is totally awesome, Nathan. That is above yeah. and beyond and we were super excited to see that super cool um so go check it out go check out reptilegumbopodcast.com.com and you can see nathan's work on our website it's great it was funny he messaged me last night about it and he asked if we had an episode four which is way before robert um and i do have an episode four that recorded well i did an episode four with Cody and Pia Barlini, and then uh, the audio was so bad I couldn't release it. Like all of my audio wasn't there; it just, yep, just never recorded. So you'll see there is if you ever go look at our episodes. It goes episode three, episode five, but I promise episode four existed. So this is technically one eighty eight. So go check out the website. I think I've rambled on enough. Let's go ahead and bring in our guest. Uh, da, 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 let me get over here. There we go. And our guest tonight is Michael Price. How's it going, Michael? It's going quite well. How are y'all? Good. I'm. I mean, I say good. I just got off a of fall break, and now I have 
four more weeks of school before Thanksgiving break. But I'll be good in four weeks. Yeah. Uh, my wife, my my wife is a school teacher as well, so she she feels your pain. I feel her. I feel your pain through her. <laughs> yeah, I'm one. Of the, I'm the worst at like anybody that says like kids that want to like I want to be a teacher. My first thing is no, <laughs> don't. Like I know I shouldn't. I should be like yeah, that'd be great. But I'm like no. There's so many things you should do that's not this that will just be way better for you. Uh, well, it's, just, it's the same in the animal world. People are like, oh, I want to work at a zoo. Oh, I no, did that. Don't. No, we don't. <laughs> oh, did you really? Yeah, you'll be poor. You'll oh. be poor forever. <laughs> right. That's, right. I, left, I left being a zookeeper to be a teacher to make more money. That's how bad it is. Well, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> we went to the Houston Zoo Sunday, James and his wife yeah. and my and kid and my wife and kid. And, and uh, we were eating afterwards, and I was like, I, don't know, I was like looking at the Houston Zoo's website, and I clicked on their job opportunities. They have a ton of um, keeper Jobs open. That's the only job they don't show the pay scale for. Nope. Mm-hmm. They show the pay scale for maintenance and, this I, and that, I can almost guarantee it's below thirty five grand. Probably probably thirty grand. Maybe. Yeah. I mean that's like fifteen bucks an hour. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. That's why there's so many people in the reptile hobby that are ex zookeepers. Yes. Uh just can't afford it. Yep. They they like, they're young and then they start having kids and go. Oh. Yeah. Things cost money. <laughs> we want to live. Yeah. Uh, anyway, speaking of jobs, uh, Michael, let's go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone on here, including us. Sure. Sure. Uh, well, I don't even know where to start really other than my, I basically have two identities. Uh, my, my Clark Kent daytime job. I work for the Lavaca Navidad river authority in Edna. Uh, I'm the public outreach coordinator, which essentially just means I run the nature center That's cool. uh, over here in Edna, Texas. And so, uh, but my Superman job is actually wild about Texas. Uh, and that's kind of what I do on the side. That's, uh, we do educational programs, write newspaper columns. Um, we, we do, of course, animal breeding. We, I've, I've been breeding snakes since, oh my gosh, probably, well, quite, quite some time over 30 years. And so I've been doing this a little while. And, and so that's just a, you know, quick, quick synopsis of, of, of all the things that we do. Um, it, it, it's, it's wear multiple hats and including, you know, writing the books, um, uh, working on right in the middle of a huge project right now of, of finishing out the state of Texas broken down in by eco regions. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's multiple hats. So that's a lot. Wow. <laughs> Sleep is overrated. <laughs> I agree, but I don't do anything with my spare time. I, I feel bad. No, I don't feel bad. I'm cool being lazy. It's fine. I'm used to it. It's almost 40 years of being lazy. I'm used to it at this point. Yeah. Every time I hear about somebody like yourself that does so much, I'm like, man, I should do more. And then I realize, but that involves doing more. It, so. it does. It does. And then add the fact that, you know, lots of small children and constantly run into ball games and volleyball and cheerleading, horseback riding and ballet and gymnastics. And yeah, you know, sleep again. That's that's my motto. <laughs> sleep is overrated. Yeah. Eh, you can sleep when you're dead. You're that's fine. My grandpa used to always say. Yeah. yeah. It works. That's, I see kids at school falling asleep. And I'm like, dude, I got three hours of sleep last night. You can stay awake while I do the teach this. Come on. <laughs> yeah. James is my one friend that I know. If I wake up at 2 a.m. and I need to ask him a question, I can send him a message. He's going to reply. And I probably won't be waking reply. him up. And I probably won't be waking him up. No, I would have been on my phone probably watching YouTube in bed. Yep. Waiting to fall asleep at like 2.30. Yep. To wake up at 5.30. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I'll die early because of this. Probably. But it's fine. I will have gotten more time in. So it, it balances out. True. That's a good way to think about it, I guess. <laughs> as long as you don't think about the dying part. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so you, your book, that, that was one thing, I, how I saw you. It got posted in another group. 
uh, about your book that you wrote. Um, and then it was funny. Like I said, I brought it up to Robert and his son has the book. It was about the Transpecos. So let's talk about that first. Sure. Sure. You know, it's actually, it's, it's my third book project. Um, my first two were very niche projects. Um, my very first book was in 2009 and it was on the rock rattlesnakes of the United oh, States. There you go, Robert. And then, my favorite. and then um, I did my, my follow up to that was in two, 2012, I believe, where I did the rock rattlesnakes of Mexico. And so we spent extensive time in Mexico uh, partnering with the lab in Monterey uh, with David Lascano at, at UANL. Uh, we spent the better part of 10 years assimilating data. Um, we're working on a project, uh, which we're still writing because David has uh, gone through some illness, unfortunately. Uh, he's doing much better now, but uh, we have all the data compiled. We just need to assess it and publish it. But uh, the print, we did a, a comparative growth rate study on neonate lepidus. And uh, we, we spent almost 10 years uh, going to Mexico. We spent, I guess, about 40 trips going to Mexico. And as a side project, that's when I did the Rock Rattlesnake book, Rock Rattlesnakes of Mexico book. Wow. And so uh, the latest one, though, is the reptiles of the Transpecos. Um, you know, it, it's really, it was a concept that I thought of well before the internet, a long time before you had all these Facebook groups of what kind of snake is this North Texas? What kind of snake is this Southeast Texas? What kind of snake is this? fill in the blank. Yeah. Um, it was just an idea of something very simple because, you know, growing up before in an age before the internet books were where people got their information and, or go into your local zoo and visit with folks who got their information from books. <laughs> and, you know, so many field guides feel that I, I love field guides. I would just yes. eat it up like candy. Mm -hmm. I just ate it up like candy, but I would get so frustrated when looking at a field guide and you would have, you know, pictures at the front of the, the front of the book or the back of the book maps at a different portion of the book, uh, species descriptions at another part of the book, and you constantly have to flip back and forth. And not that that's anything wrong with that. It was just very frustrating, you know, as a kid growing up, trying to trying to learn things. It got very, you know, my, my books wore out very quickly because you had to flip through. <laughs> and I, I had this concept of, okay, do a field guide, but I want to be very descriptive, but I want to be descriptive in photography. I want to be descriptive in illustrations because people, I think, get more from what they see than what they read. 100%. You know, you can just you, you could describe the, the plastron of a river cooter and people are like, oh, OK, but you show the plastron of a river cooter and people are like, oh, no, that's OK. And if you tell and, a reptile person it's a river cooter, you get a completely different look. Yes. Well, oh, yeah, of course you do. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> maybe, that would, that would, maybe that was a funny one to use. Maybe I should just check with a slider or, you that's know, okay. I, I, hey, just be glad we're not doing birds. I was, gonna say, I was just about to say, I feel like a bird person named that turtle. <laughs> Because bird, oh, yeah, for bird sure. names are the most messed up names on yeah. earth. Like the, the safe ones are tits and boobies. They get way worse than that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Not, nothing like getting, you know, <clears throat> a friend of mine had a shirt that said, show me your tits. and had all the different species of, <laughs> of birds. And so and he would wear that around a bunch of birdie girls, you know, it was, it was great. But, uh, you know, you got things like the dick sissel and the bush tit, you know, so you will kind of digress away from that. We'll <laughs> stick with the sliders and we'll cooters as far as we'll go. Yeah. But, you know, it, it was one of those where and so a long time ago. I mean, this was probably 20 plus years. I was like, I want to do a project. I want to do this project. I wanted this project. Uh, but but at that time, I was not in a place to do that. Um, my career was was not involved in wildlife at all. Um, I had a career with multiple different things. I worked for a pet supply company actually based out of Houston called uh, Longhorn Pet Supply, which was purchased by Central Garden Pet. I worked for them for years. 
I work for the San Angelo Standard Times selling uh, advertising. I work for a minor league hockey team in West <laughs> Texas, of all places, selling ads on the Zamboni and on the ice and you know Just, all that. I don't picture minor league hockey in West Texas. Yep. Oh, it was amazing. It was an amazing run in the late late 90s. Um, you had the Odessa Jackalopes and the San Angelo Outlaws and the Amarillo Rattlers and the Austin Ice Bats. And um, yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. But um and, you know, and so I didn't have much time to focus on those kind of things. And um, so I just kind of put it on the back burner. And then when I began my professional career in wildlife, I was the director of the San Angelo Nature Center in San Angelo. And I kind of scaled it back a little bit and just did basically a regional, very, very regional, just to the Concho Valley of the Tom Green County and the surrounding counties and, and did that concept. And, and we printed it in-house at the, um, with the city of San Angelo and it was just a binder and we sold it in the gift shop. Oh, that's cool. And then, and then I would do things like, uh, for snake days, I would do one for, you know, the reptiles of Terrell County and, and had that concept. Well, later on, I was, I was visiting with a friend of mine, Bob Ashley, and, oh, yeah. and he's like, this, this is after I'd done the two rock rattlesnake books. So we were just visiting me, him and Gordon Shewitt. And, and I told them about the concept that I had. They're like, well, pitches, tell us what you've kind of show us what you've done. And I just showed them the little regional thing I did. And they jumped on board immediately. So let's do this. Let's, let's do this. I said, well, do we want to do it statewide? Do we want to keep it regional? And we had to jump through all sorts of hoops um, because uh, the way that I had this book broke up right now is just the nine counties west of the Pecos River. That's officially the Trans-Pecos. Originally, it was supposed to be from Valverde County up to almost to Midland and then westward. But for to get into the national parks, which we, we do have, our, this book is available in the national park system. Uh, in order to do that, we had to focus specifically just on the Trans-Pecos. And so in order to get into Big Bend, we had to uh, limit it to west of the Pecos River. And so that kind of made us change our, um, our outline of the state, which is okay. But so we broke the state up into different regions, not by eco regions. It's too hard, especially in central Texas. You know, you've got six different eco regions in central Texas. It would be impossible to do it that way. So what we did was we kind of did the man-made. OK, when you think of central Texas, what do you think of? You think of the center of Texas. When you think of East Texas, what do you think of? When you think of South Texas. So we kind of broke it up like that. And so they wanted to do basically a five a five, a five part series. Yeah. We started with the Trans-Pecos and I'm currently working on the central Texas book. Uh, we hope to have the manuscript finished. I'm hoping to have it done actually by the end of next week, uh, the first week of November. And so, uh, so we can try to get that to, to press and, and get that, get that thing rolling. So we can start on the next one, which will be East Texas. Well, that'd be awesome. The, I know Lepidus, that is, that's Robert loves those. We have one at the Houston zoo that is super cool looking it's green i've never seen mm-hmm. one but it's i mean it looks fake when you look at it especially when you look at probably, it next to the one it's probably a uh, a male from valparaiso zacatecas a big a big male banded rock rattlesnake yeah it yeah, is they're, they're sexually dimorphic yeah. the, the males are just just lime green i mean just, yeah. just lime green and females are the kind of this is dog turd brown purple color you know <laughs> yeah i mean this it's thing- amazing that in every species of in the animal kingdom, the males are always the better looking until it gets to the human humans, and then look at us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got the short end of the stick on that one. It's uh, they they got a lot of rattlesnakes at our zoo here. That I'm, I'm a lot of like non common rattlesnakes, I guess, for most places. A lot of the smaller ones, but that that green lepidus is crazy looking. 
Well, that's the one of the things I tried to tell my kids, you know, growing up, they were, they were around me as I was, as I've, as I've been doing these sort of things. And I can remember telling my kids all the time, you know, they're sitting there holding a snake, you know, even something common now, like a Durango mountain King snake, something that we don't even think of. We'll see at every reptile show. But when I was a kid, you know, there were less than a dozen pictures ever of Durango mountain Kings. And here my kids are just helping me clean cages and they're just holding it like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> no big deal. And you're like, if you only knew what it was like, 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, we sat down. Um, my brain's my blank. Who did I sit down with at Conroe? Robert. Hognoses. Harbin. Yeah, Tom, Tom Harbin. Harbin. Um, talking to Tom Harbin about just reptile hobby and stuff like that, you know, back before it is the way it is. And, and it's just crazy how many people nowadays don't know what it was like. So many people get in the hobby now that aren't even. I want to say they're Snake not people, yeah, they're, people. They're not reptile people. Like, it's, you know, they, they, they get, they'll have 40 snakes and they still don't know anything about anything other than taking care of those 40 snakes inside of a tub. Like that's the max of their knowledge. Right. They don't know the basic biology, the natural history. And, but by God, they could be the admin of a Facebook page. <laughs> that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. Uh, it is, it is funny. It's, well, you talked about, um, books where you got your information and you wrote books. The great thing about writing a book is you, that has, uh, you know, the different type the field guide, right. And your own field guide is that you don't get comments of that's not what it is. It's this. So right. that's, you watch one person post a, what is this snake? And it'll get two or three right answers. And then 700 wrong answers. I'm like, what the hell? I, I got kicked out of, a, I-, I got kicked out of an ID group yesterday because someone posted a picture of a decays Brown snake. And this admin, who I've never heard of, was adamant that that was a speckled king snake. And I'm how like, the fuck do you get those confused? Because it was one of those decays that has a really, you know, a lot of pattern. looking pattern, but looks nothing but like nothing a speckled king. And I'm like, and then he's trying to tell me that speckled king snakes don't range south of Houston. And I'm like, what? Well, tell that to all the speckled kings that we found south of Houston. Well, those are integrates. No, I'm like, oh my god, integrates with what? Right, <laughs> with, 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 with is what he was saying. And then he's, I was like. What about Harris County? There are no speckled kings in Harris County. I I'm fucking like, have one. The best locality of speckled kings is called the Harris County Speckled right. King. They're I, the prettiest right. speckled king. I have one in the other uh, room. And he was like, you're being argumentative and kicked me out of the group. And I'm like, well. <laughs> you're being factual. Okay. <laughs> There's no room for factual <laughs> it's, people. It's, it, it, never see, yeah, it never ceases to amaze me. I, I, have, I have yet to be kicked off yet. But I, usually um, I try to handle it with a little bit. You know, I'll contact them. PM or whatever, you know, yeah. say, Hey, you may want to take another look at this because what always cracks me up on stuff like that is, is you'll have these admins who will be so adamant. This is what it is. What's what it is, what it is. And then they'll get together with the little admin group and they'll go back and change their answer, but they'll yeah. erase their original answer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Instead of showing, Hey, I made a mistake. I'm learning. Oh no, this is, you know, and you're like, Come on, really? Well, <laughs> this one, I would have been a lot nicer, but I commented, you know, because the guy posted a picture. It's a group that doesn't have a ton of people in it. And it's kind of a really locale, like location specific uh, to a certain part of Houston. And uh, nobody had commented. It was like two hours. And I was like, oh, that's a decays brown snake. Because they said it bit their dog or something. So they were, people were freaking out, whatever. Um, so then he commented like two hours later and was like, uh, you need to educate yourself if you're going to comment in this group. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> all right, buddy. Uh, well, I, 
I guess. Okay. So then I said, no. And I, you know, I even posted it. I said, look, man, I can literally walk over to this enclosure and pull a decays brown snake out. And I can go upstairs to another enclosure and pull out a speckle king and take pictures of each of them right now. <laughs> yeah, I would say you have both. <laughs> have both. And, uh, um, yeah, so that was an interesting, a very interesting uh, thing. But I'm no longer in well, the, the Northwest Houston Snake ID group or whatever oh, it's gotcha. called. Gotcha. Whatever. Well, you know, and they do serve a purpose, and that, and that was kind of the premise yes. of why I did this this the book the way that I did with lots of pictures. You know, the thing is, there's nothing. People ask, well, you know, one of the things that people or not people, but the editor asked, why are we doing this? Why do you want to do this? And and the answer was basically was just because field guys can be so complicated. Sometimes. Yes. A lot of times people, what did I see in my backyard? They don't give a rat's rear end what they eat or what their taxonomy is even, or what their, you know, what their, 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 their ancestral lineages are. They care about what is this? Is it dangerous? And that's it. And so that's the, the concept I wanted to do with these books was very simple. It was, you know, something that, that an advanced herpetologist could enjoy because of the pictures and, and, and things like that. But also that, that somebody who, a soccer mom, it's, it's small enough to carry in her fanny pack while she's at a soccer game. And they're wanting to see what, you know, what kind of lizard was that? Well, let me, you know, and we have comments like that all the time of, of people saying how much they appreciate it, especially new newbies to the, to, not to the hobby, but to just the outdoors of saying, wow, this was amazing because I can, I can just use this to cross-reference it very easily. I wanted to do a lot of cross-referencing in the book. I did, you know, most with, with a particular species, uh, I say something like, well, it's more, most often confused with this and it tells you the page number to go. So you can go look and compare yeah. and, and I, I try to make it as simple and easy as possible. I, uh, so I, I like field guides and, and my, I talked about this, I think last week, uh, my favorite, field guides are the Audubon field guides just because they have really good pictures. They have great pictures and they're separated in ways that a non reptile, or if you get the bird one, bird one does it by color. Yeah. Ways that you mm-hmm. can find animals in there without having to know what it is. And then I also like this. So this is, I, this is one of the first things I got when I moved here. I think H-E-B. I got, yeah, at H-E-B. H-E-B has mm-hmm. a bunch of these little pamphlets and this one is snakes of Southeast Texas and it's great, colorful pictures. And it tells you the basics of what you need to know. Because that's who's really, other than me, that's who's really buying this at HEB is someone who yes. just wants to know what's in their yard. Yes. Right. right. And that's right. And that's what they need. I, I'm not a fan, and, I, and I, I've got a few, but I tend to not buy field guides of drawings that are just strictly mm-hmm. drawings. Right. Right. You know, I get drawings of like vents and scale counts if you want to do that in certain ones. But sure. like, I want a good picture of what it will look like. Cause not all drawing like the first time I saw a buttermilk racer was in a field guide of a drawing of a buttermilk racer. I'm like, well, that snake's not fucking blue. There's no way that that snake is blue. And then the first time I saw a buttermilk racer, I was like, Holy shit. It's blue. It's blue. It's blue. <laughs> and so, but a picture would have made it way clear to me that yes. it's really blue. And that it wasn't just depending on where you're at. Yes. It's blue. Yeah. There was a, well, go ahead. No, no. I was, that was the concept we were trying to do too. Was was um, I don't know off the top of my head. I don't know if there's any any drawings in the book. Um, I think it's all photography, even showing how to measure these reptiles and and you know with every species, uh, particularly species like scolopris, like spiny lizards, that that can act, you can actually tell the difference between different spiny lizards by their belly coloration in males. Yeah. You know by the by the pattern on that. So you know you'll you see field guides that you'll have this. Is this animal that ranges in color and pattern and you'll have one picture and people will find, you know, they'll, they'll look, well, it's not a, it's not a decay snake or it's not a decay snake because it doesn't look like this. Yeah. That I see in this one, but well, there's variations. 
And so, you know, what I wanted to do was have at least four pictures, at least four pictures of every species. And then ones that are highly variable, such as the gray banded king snake or the rock rattlesnake mm-hmm. or the or the or the ground snake have, you know, uh, 12 pictures to just to show the variability and try to cover all my bases. Um, the same with like the turtles, you know, uh, I can't recall and, and I could be. I could be wrong, but I can't recall a book. It's a field guide. It's an easy, not a big resource book, but it's just a field guide that shows the plastering of these turtles. Yeah, you know, yeah. you, you can tell, you can tell what kind of, if it's a snapping turtle or if it's a painted, painted turtle or ready or slider. Notice I'm staying away from pseudonies this time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but you could tell by the plastering. And, and so I wanted to include that, you know, it was one of the things I was, I absolutely have to, and it, it took me a little longer because it took longer to get some of those pictures because they're just not available. And, and so it, it, it involved a lot of field work and, and the central Texas, Texas one is, you know, the same way because it has exponentially more uh, reptiles than there's in the Trans-Pecos yeah. uh, because, you know, you have four different diverse regions really coming together, uh, east, west, north, and south. So you've got prairie species, you've got south Texas species, east Texas species, as well as Trans-Pecos species, mm-hmm. all part of central, central Texas. And so um, it's, it's, it's quite a, quite an endeavor, but it's, it's pretty exciting. So I was in the east Texas one. Are you going to put Louisiana pines in there even though nobody sees them anymore? You know, what's really interesting is um, you can and you can look this up. The uh, the Audubon Zoo in New Orleans got a Louisiana pine snake from from me in 2008. That was actually found by a, a, a relative of my ex wife. <laughs> oh, wow. And so um, I, we were experts. They live in they live right outside of Nacogdoches. Yeah. Oh. And so um, this animal, we, we, it was it was found. I called the state. The state said this was when I was at the San Angelo Nature Center. We kept it. And then they wanted to put in the breeding program at the at the Audubon Zoo with David Hecker, back when David Hecker was at the Audubon yeah. Zoo. And so, yes, I will. Um, even though historically it's probably it's, uh, like, for example, I'm not going to have the smooth green snake in, in right. East Texas. Uh, that, that, that's that's just well documented. It's still not there. Um, Louisiana pine is still hanging on. Very, very slim, but it's still hanging on. Well, there's so many acres of pine forest out there where people never even see well they just live underground right. all the time and right you know the typical pine state right and you could walk right by one and never know it's mm-hmm. there so even if right. you're looking for them i can tell you there are at least two in southeast texas yeah there's because they're like, right in, like two rooms away right <laughs> so that's, that is, that's one of my favorite snakes i i worked at a zoo in central louisiana before i moved to texas so i lived like right there in Kasachi where like there are pine snakes and so it's one of my favorites. And we had them for a little while. We just never got them to breed before they took them away from us and sent them off to the zoo, the other zoos. Cause they, that's what happened. That, that's what happened to us. It was, Hey, we, we, we gave you the permit to keep this animal. However, we needed to go here. And, yeah. and I totally, I totally respect that. I get that. They you know, consolidated. I, they to do. I think they consolidated yes. them all into new Orleans and Memphis, I think. Um, and took them out of everybody else's hands, which is funny. Right. Cause I know a guy, the guy I got my pines from in central Louisiana who could probably breed them better than any zoo because he had an entire house full of them right but right well the, the thing is zoos are changing or at least at least the ones i have experience with you know like the san antonio zoo and i'm going to throw some props to them but you know used to zoos would just hire anybody just yeah. oh you're you're an able-bodied you don't mind cleaning snake fecal material fine we'll hire you and with no knowledge on how to how, how these animals are that's why people had such a hard time in the in the you know 60s and 70s and 80s of keeping montane rattlesnakes from you know the high elevations of mexico they would continue to bring these animals in 
and then they just wouldn't thrive. They just wouldn't survive, much less breed. Yeah. And and people go, why are they not doing that? I mean, we're, they're reptiles. We're, you know, you go in the room and it's, you know, 91 degrees. <laughs> well, they're from Mexico. Yeah, but they're from 10,000 feet in elevation. <laughs> right. You know, they're, they're in an area that you could be walking around on a mid-August day and it's 72 degrees. And it was, it was then that people started realizing, oh, we need to go to where these things live and look and see, you know, their cycles. And, and I, you know, I know San Antonio has really done some great work and, and Gladys Porter as well. Yeah. Uh, they have, they have hurt people in their herb departments and they're breeding things that, that left and right now, both those places that, and Abilene as well, you know, um, well, I, I gotta speak for a lot of zoos. They're really, you know, Dallas and Fort Worth, what they're doing with the horn lizards, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's amazing what zoos used to be zoos. It, it, it would be so frustrating because, you know, at one point we had a permit for like Ridgenose rattlesnakes from Arizona and, but we couldn't breed them yet. You go to a zoo, they'd have them in a 10 gallon aquarium with newspaper a water bowl, a hide box, and a hot, and a hot lamp, and that's how they kept them. And and yet you you know you'd have private collectors who would want to keep these animals, who would set these up in elaborate setups and and do the best to mimic what they're doing in the wild. Oh no no, you can't do it. The zoo has to do it, and they have them in ten gallons of newspaper. You know, and I think those days are kind of gone. I don't know many zoos who still who still participate in that kind of of husbandry. Uh, I might be wrong. Uh, you know, I haven't been to every zoo in Texas, obviously, but but I know now, some of the big ones have yeah, most, really moved away from that. Most of the big ones have gotten to that. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and that's one of those things I wish I knew now what I knew when I was a zookeeper because I was a zookeeper straight out of college. Like, and mm-hmm. I had interned at a zoo and I had kept reptiles for several years prior to that. But I know so much more now about care. And like, so if I wish I knew now what I then you know she I mean? knew then what you yeah know. we about, know what you know yeah. about, about Louisiana pine snakes because I I think I would have had a better chance of breeding my female that I had at the zoo now than I did then because yeah. because I didn't know enough about them then but I know so much more about them now mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, yeah and so it's just one but again can't I can't afford to go back and be a zookeeper Houston is actually hiring a uh, uh, herpetology director right now so maybe they'll make some I mean it's pretty good what they got going in there they've but got a pretty good i mean they've it, it's it's an old building it's dated there's yeah. only so much you can do in a building yeah. that's that's built the way it is with all the tiny enclosures yes yeah but they have done a great job with what they do have yes definitely um well i haven't been to the houston zoo in a, in a very long time but i know a lot of zoos are also moving away from we got to have we got to have some this from africa and this from australia and this from india and these from asia and this and a lot of zoos are consolidating and focusing on certain areas and it's really good to see a lot of zoos are going back to a native, um, which always cracked me up because when I was at the San Angelo Nature Center, you know, it was um, we would, you know, I wanted to focus on what do we have right here? You know, what can yeah. you see in yes. your backyard? You know, so many people. It's so funny because we're like, well, we've got to attract people. We've got to have a cobra. No, you don't. If you've got an Eastern hognose snake, guess what? Yeah, <laughs> you, you've got your own version right here, and it and it and it, it makes more sense to, to 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 people who live in that area, and and so um, I see a lot of zoos going back to having you know uh, like the Fort Worth Zoo has the Wild Texas, you yes. know, or Texas mm-hmm. Texas Wild Texas Wild. Um, mm-hmm. I know San Antonio has a huge section now of just native animals, and so it's it's nice to see that because it gets people to appreciate. It's so funny because you can you can raise all sorts of money and stuff when you throw elephants or giraffes or or monkeys or mm-hmm. whatever, uh, but but people could care less about the, what's what's right there around them. And I see that that trend starting to change a little bit. It's kind of nice to see when we do um, things like the event we're doing this weekend. The snake that people want to see more is our bull snake. 
you know, they're, they're intrigued by the, you know, they, the huge, um, Burmese the size, python. The, but they mm-hmm. they always see the berm, but then they come over and when I pull the bull snake out, they're like, Oh, that that's native to here. And you know, and mm-hmm. he's super chill. So, you know, anybody can hold him. He doesn't have an attitude at all. Um, but I, I, then it gets, that'll, that gives me the opening to start talking about native snakes and, and, uh, people, I, I'm starting to see that change too. Like Houston only had two Cobras, right? They had the King and the monocle and does the it. Monocle, that was it. But, but they, they did get one thing they did get recently and at least put on exhibit recently that I think is the coolest is the Fiji banded iguana. And that's just because we can't have them. <laughs> yeah. So like that is right. just cool to see. Yeah. And then the zoos have to do that. Otherwise, it, it wouldn't be the Houston Zoo. It would be the Houston Nature Center. Right. I mean, you, you yeah. still have to have that it factor. Yes. But but still, but still, putting a little more emphasis on local stuff that you still have to have, you know. You, when, you go, when, you, when you go to Six Flags, you don't, you don't just have big rides. You have a bunch of different smaller rides, yeah, and you right. have your big attractions. So you still have to have that kind of stuff. Well, they've got it cool. They've got the uh, that one that's got, like, the um, – The Bangshan Viper. Well, that's cool. But I mean, they notice if they have that one that has the uh, – the box turtle, and then it has the collared lizard, and then it has the um. I would keep wanting to say Euromastix, but it's not a Euromastix. It's a um, the Chuckwalla. Chuckwalla. That's like it's the one without the spiky tail. Yeah. But they have the native lizards of you know all together, all in one big exhibit, and you can kind of it's fun to go in there and look around and try to find that. Or they have the ones with like the, some of the native snakes all together in one well, exhibit. They had all those dart frog frog enclosures, like five of them, but they're all closed. They're right all now. closed. Up, so I'm interested to see what they're going to put yeah. in them. Hopefully not a bunch of more dart frogs. Yeah, they had way too many dart frogs. Just so many. <laughs> and it just there. said assorted dart frogs. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it says on there. Oh. So same thing with uh, assorted water snakes. I, it was one water snake. There, there was one, <laughs> one plain belly very, water snake. There was one. Very unhappy looking oh, wow. uh, plain belly water snake. I like. Um, that they probably caught at the zoo. Yeah, that one just says native water snakes. It doesn't say anything of what they are. Yeah. And then there's one that says native amphibians, which is just a, basically a bunch of green tree frogs. Yeah. It's just, and there's like some anoles in there. I'm like, well, those aren't amphibians. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, they're doing what they can. But it, it's also interesting when you look at a zoo because like they're going to hire a curator soon for reptile. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to see a change in the collection over the next however many years that person works there. Cause it's always interesting to see who who's in charge of a collection. Cause then you start to see zoos that have a large rattlesnake collection yeah. or a large dart frog collection or Cause they're hiring a curator and two keepers. Yeah. You fight you. So they, they end up being short handed wow. in there right now. Yeah. And they end up getting the stuff that they want. And so it, it ends yeah. up that way. So it's kind of cool. Um, then we got to see the male uh, West African green mamba trying to mate the male, the male black mamba. Black mamba. <laughs> yeah, well, it is twenty twenty three, right? Is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I posted that online, and everybody's like, "Well, that's weird." I was like, "Yeah, you should have seen it in person. It's pretty weird." And well, so I, I was like, "Man, that's weird." I don't know if you make hybrids out of this. And then someone goes, "Well, uh, wherever they worked, their job was where all those black mambas came from to the zoo, and they're like, all those black mambas are males." I was yeah. like, "Oh, okay. Well, there's no hybrids here. They're just going to be confused." Yeah. <laughs> and she said that green is very, um, he's known for being very rambunctious. Well, he was trying. Yeah. Gotcha. He, he was, was definitely trying. Um, but yeah. So anyways, going back to, going back to the, uh, the books and all I, well, I, what I will say that that book. And then of course our friend Russell talking about it to Logan, my son, uh, we will be at snake days next year because even if my son has to book his own flight and fly out there himself and figure out a way to get there, he is going next year. He Where's is, it at? Um, it's West, West Texas. It's, it's an Alpine. Alpine. And it's it's, it's going to be an Alpine. I'm on the, bo- I'm on the board of the snake, of snake days. And then my son and, will also uh, go I talk. I tell you, we've got some, he also we've talks got some to great Jerry speakers Salmon. lined up next year. Do you? Oh, okay. Yeah. He'll go but talk yeah, to Jerry yeah. shows. And so between Jerry and Russell in your book, he is, he is ready to go to West Texas. 
I'm awesome. ready to go to West Texas. Awesome. Look forward to having him out there. I'm here in my Look third year. Him out there. It's gonna be it's gonna be June. Hold on, I can tell you, I can tell you right now the dates. I'll put it it's on my calendar So this is my third year in Texas and I'm ready to go to West Texas and find some stuff. It's going to be June seventh, eighth, and ninth. Hey, I'm I'm a teacher, so I'm out. I can Conroe weekend. Oh, that is Conroe weekend. I don't care. Uh, that's cool. I'll go. I want to go to West Texas. There's, there's more. There's one more. There's more than one Conroe weekend, right? Yes, there's two others. <laughs> yeah, I, there's I, only one Snake Days. Yep. I want to see. I, you know, it's funny. I want to go out west and look for stuff. Alterna doesn't do anything for me. I just want to see it, just because I go, hey, look, there's an Alterna. Like I get it, but and, other, and you're the guy that'll see one, probably. Right, of course, because you don't of care. Of course. But like, I want to see the other like other weird colubrids that are out there that people don't go crazy over, or just like rattlesnakes in general. I'd love to see. I've I've never seen a rattlesnake in the wild. I've released rattlesnakes in the wild. I've never seen one in the wild. Alive. Oh yeah. So yeah, I've got to make it out west. Although I got to make sure we've, that we've I, got some. We've got some great speakers lined up next year, um, and and we're really looking forward to it. We had a great turnout this year, speakers, um, and uh, the weather was a little bit sketch, but we still saw. I mean, there were things seen. You know, we we had great time. We said we had a great time. A lot of people posted some neat stuff, and looking forward to it. Um, you know, I think by that time the Central Texas book will be out, and I'll be well on my way of finishing the East Texas book. So there you go. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and so you know, the biggest the biggest issue with these books, um, honestly is taxonomy is is the ever-changing taxonomy you know the ridiculous uh, changing taxonomy on some of them well yeah i mean it's it's i understand where some people are coming from i understand where the other side's coming from i'm more of a i'm not a big subspecies guy i you know it 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 drives me crazy especially again i'm gonna go back to these facebook at you know facebook id pages well, that's either a um, that's either a red a red striped ribbon or an orange striped ribbon. Depends on where you found it. Well, if you have to know where you found it to know, be able to tell what it is, it doesn't. That's not how the game's played. It's the same with glossy snakes. You know, that's another one that just blows me away. Yeah. And uh, but but you know, the ever changing taxonomy. You know, that's that's one of my biggest fears is a lot of this taxonomy that I use in the book. It may be outdated. It may go back to what it was originally, like the king snakes and the copperheads. Mm-hmm. And and so, but to stay consistent with what was actually accepted by the by those who govern these things, you know, I had to, to stay consistent with that. I had to use, you know, what 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 is the current taxonomy, whether I think it's a load of crap or not. <laughs> so well, see, um, I'm I'm a lumper when it comes to a lot of stuff, but there's some things where I'm like, they're just too different. They shouldn't be lumped. Like the copperhead thing bothered me because didn't they yeah. put they put uh, broadbands? Uh, well, they, they, they you, had, you had one species. Yeah, you had one species, yeah. Achisodon contortrix. You had the eastern subspecies. Um, I can't remember. It was contortrix, contortrix. Yeah, you had contortrix, yeah, latticinctus, and then contortrix um, pictogaster. You had three subspecies. Yeah. Well, then they lumped pictogaster with latticinctus, and now say Achisodon contortrix and Achisodon latticinctus are two distinct species. And you're like, have you ever seen these in the wild? Have you ever seen where these things live? I mean, it's it, it, it's and the same with the king snakes. You know, yeah. they say, oh, you know, the desert king and speckled king are two totally different species. You kind of just scratch your head. It's like you know. Now you know they're primarily using a lot of a lot of DNA analysis, a lot of mtDNA analysis, and and by no means am I a scientist, but as a field guy, um, you know, you look at this, you, you, it's just a head scratcher sometimes. Well, and so and I do know that our, 
people who are, are working on not trying to get it back to what it was, but to be more congruent with what's actually happening. Yeah. You know, um, instead of just concocted in some lab rat science project, you well, know, we've talked about cause being someone who's farther originally from farther east it's the same thing with the rat snakes they started lumping yeah. all the rat snakes yeah. together i'm like stop it they they are different from each other well, like you like can see them. the the uh everglades rat at the zoo yeah that thing is bright orange that is not james, a- james pointed it out when we were there he's like they're telling me that that is an eastern rat snake because that's what they've lumped them in right. right now yeah i'm like that is a different snake that is you have them you have gray rats and you have black rats. they they are different they look different they're in different areas they're enough different to me if I'm going out looking for them and go, yeah, that's not, that's not the same thing. That's the right habitat to look for that. Yeah. These have you live in this habitat or that habitat. Now, having said that to play devil's advocate though, but you look at a wide ranging species like the Western diamondback rattlesnake. Yeah. yeah. The Western diamondback rattlesnakes from where I'm at in Jackson County uh, look completely different from the rattlesnakes you see in the Davis mountains. Yeah. They look completely different from the rattlesnakes you see in the lava beds of central New Mexico, which look completely different from the animals from Southern Arizona. I mean, they look like completely different animals, yet they're still all the same species, no subspecies, just well, the same species. Even weirder. Is so I guess I think, the, I think just trying to get the consistency and, and, you know, why is this one split up and this one's not why I'm trying to understand where that, what, where, where that, why that happens well, even weirder would be the timber rattlesnake right yeah i mean it goes from pennsylvania to here pennsylvania they're black <laughs> yeah and you know right. here they have and gold chevrons on their they have found their venom is different too from their there venom here. is different and completely different behavior mm-hmm. obviously for reasons you know they don't they don't go through the brumation cycles here like they do in pennsylvania they don't have to um but but they don't den up in big den sites like they do up north and and just different behavior patterns but but on the other hand Prairie rattlesnakes are the same way. You know, you, you find them in Wyoming and Idaho, yeah. in these large den sites, and you find them in the panhandle of Texas, and they don't den up quite like they do up north. I mean, it, yeah. I don't know. It's 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 above my pay grade, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so I asked a few questions to our listeners that were kind of field-herping-related questions, and so I wanted to go through some of the answers, and then can we can kind of discuss them ourselves as well. But the first question I posted were, uh, what's what are tips you would give to someone that wants to go field-herping? Um, I think a lot of people, again, we've talked about people get into reptiles that aren't really reptile people and they don't know outside of the cages in their house. And maybe they should go out and see what's in nature and really start to realize what's out there. So I was going to read through a few answers on here and then we'll discuss those and we'll talk about some of the things that we would suggest that we've realized. Um, Jeremy Humphrey said catch and release, which I'm, I'm a big fan of catch and release. And he also said you don't have to physically touch every animal you see. Uh, but even if you do, make sure to not stress them out. I agree with that, although I do want to touch every animal I see. But you don't have to, and, and it's fine, especially some of the stuff people will do just to get people to click on their picture. Uh, Jason Moore said, take your time and enjoy what you see. You don't have to touch. Same thing. Todd Autry said, make notes of any finds you have. Conditions, weather, dates, temps, that's smart stuff. So, I, you know, we've kind of done that in our heads before. We've gone road cruising after a rainstorm and realize, you know, it's a lot different than road cruising oh, yeah. on it when it's dry. Um, but yeah, he said, make notes and also never forget to look for the habitat inside the habitat. So, you know, those micro habitats or, um, even in places where you wouldn't expect something to find some things. Uh, Laura Vinsell said, know the laws for your area and be respectful of property. If you're flipping, make sure to put it back. Uh, the laws are a big thing. And we'll talk about that in a minute too, because Texas is a weird state when it comes to herping and laws. Uh, Todd Sanders says, take someone with you who's experienced. That's cheating, Todd. Uh, make sure to take all necessary safety equipment. 
which we'll talk about that as well because that's another thing in Texas that is different from anywhere I've lived before. Uh, Corey, I like Corey Martins. Don't trespass. It's a great way to get shot. Yeah, in <laughs> Texas especially. <laughs> I saw a sign once in West Texas that says uh, prayer is uh, prayer is a quick way to get to God. Trespassing is faster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, our, uh, our buddy Megan said wear appropriate footwear. Yeah. Although I say that, and then I know you're thinking exactly of who I'm oh, thinking Russell, of. Russell, for sure. Russell, who will walk around and freaking barefoot in places. I watched him catch an Aatrox by using his flip-flop that he took off his foot to to hold the head down to get the pie pan over it. So yeah, don't, don't do what Russell does. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. Uh, wear appropriate footwear, bring proper safety equipment for venomous species or don't mess with them. But a yeah. good set of tongs and long hook are always nice. If you can't confidently, confidently identify the species, don't handle it. I fucking hate pictures posted on Facebook. Someone holding the snake. What is this? What the fuck do you mean? What is it? Why are you holding it? Well, in their defense, if they can identify the venomous the venomous snakes, and they know that's not from one the non venomous, I get it. Right, but there was that guy. Right. There was a picture that floated around not that long ago of a guy holding a copperhead. Yes, and he right, right. got lucky that he didn't get bitten. Yeah. Then uh, there's the other picture of the guy who did get bitten. Yes. Um, they were. It's like be like Tony. Don't be like Tony. Tony's happy with this snake. And then the next one is him in the hospital all swollen up. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Don't be like Tony. <laughs> yep. Megan also said, uh, have a plan in case of an emergency, like a venomous bite, and keep a copy of bite protocols with you or make sure that you know where uh, Dr. Doctor Green works so that you can get there. Uh, dun, 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 dun. And no, again, know your state laws. And then Louis Patoy, who was in the chat, said, don't Instagram your crimes. Yeah. You, not, not everything needs to be shared <laughs> or, or don't do crime or don't yeah <laughs> too. don't don't break the law and if you do don't don't post it well let's talk laws because herping in texas and it's important to know your laws wherever you are because they're different like herping in texas as i found out when i moved here thanks to robert is you have to have a hunting license with the proper permit on it uh stamp on it to allow you to herp in texas mm-hmm. um and if which you're, I, I don't understand how how we how we got to this point. I really don't. Um, you know, if I, for example, as a naturalist, because I, I, I do reptile books that herpetology is my passion, but it is broadened into much greater things, yeah. right in a newspaper column and, and being outdoors all the time. I, I see more things now and enjoy more things. And, and it's, it's amazing to me if I want to stop on the side of the highway and photograph some variegated fritillaries that are sitting on top of some prairie Coria or Noesis coreopsis, no problem. I don't have to have it a license. I don't have to have any protective gear or, you know, vest, anything. But if I stop to photograph a lizard on that same, on the rock where that flower is, I have to have, a, have to have all these different things. And that, that's always kind of puzzled me. And it, it, and it goes back decades to um, the, the stress between Texas Parks and Wildlife and Herpers yeah. and, 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 and both sides being way guilty of some outrageous <laughs> things. And, and I think there's still some old, yeah, I mean, there's still some, there's, I don't want to say old wounds because, you know, Texas Parks, we, we partner with them a lot with snake days and we do lots of things. I've got some of my best friends work, work for Texas Parks and Wildlife. Um, You know, of course you have wildlife biologists, you have game wardens and to come to game wardens defense. And a lot of people hate when I say this, but I do, but I, I truly feel this way. They have so many responsibilities. Their, their job is not people like, Oh, they, all they have to do is just, weigh and measure fish and see check people's deer that's not true you know they 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 do they handle border situations they handle domestic violence situations in the country they they handle things that other agencies don't 
don't don't can't do. Uh, for example, in the state of Texas, it, they're the only agency that does not have to have a warrant to go in somewhere. And so if a lot they, of times if, if they suspect if a there's problem, yeah, right. it, which which, you know, I don't know if you remember, that's how that whole thing came about in El Dorado back years ago that 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 uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but the uh, Jim Jeffers or whatever it was, that that crazy mm-hmm. cult place in El Dorado was nobody could get in until someone said, oh, I think they're doing this, this, this and this with wildlife. Boom. That's how they got in. They got their foot in the door. Yep. Whatever. I'm not I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm indifferent. But what I'm saying is they've got the game wardens have so much responsibilities that to be in charge that, that they have to be um, in charge of. They have to be they have to be knowledgeable of. So it makes it a little bit difficult for them to know for for them to even know all the laws. And so and then you get these laws like that that's just completely you know I am a proponent of wearing the vests because as a, as someone who's been doing this for almost forty years, you know there was nothing like walking a back road West Texas or back. West Texas road at two o'clock in the morning and walking with a flashlight and a hook or whatever, and then having car after car coming up from the border, stop and ask if I need help. You know how how many drunk people would pull up? Hey, what are you doing? Hey, you know, conversations and and things that I just didn't really want to have. Yes. Well, now that we have these vests, now that we're wearing these vests, guess what? Nobody messes with you. Yeah, they're like, oh, you look they're, official. they're supposed to be. Yeah. You look official. It looks like you're, you look like you know what you're doing. I, you're supposed to be there. I may have been guilty of being in a parking lot after um, a football game and putting my vest on and having cars stop so, so we could pull out. Um, <laughs> you, but you're getting posted anywhere until now, right? Uh, this will be the first time I've spoken about it. It was a couple years ago, but um, but it, hey, it got a bunch. Of, there was some of us that were trapped and couldn't get out. And it got us out. Well, didn't hurt anybody. The, the thing is, you know, I was also and, and a police I know officer lots for, of wardens. And go ahead, good. Oh no, no, I was just, I was just going to say, I know lots of wardens too, because you, you, when you read the laws, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I guarantee you, if you're driving the side of the road and your child sees, you're taking pictures of wildflowers, and your child sees, you know, a box turtle, and he picks it up. There's not going to be a game warden hanging around behind the tree and going to go write that kid a ticket. No. I mean, you know, and people say, oh, they will do that for sure. No, they won't. It's just like police officers. If you're doing 76 and a 75, come on. They've got some sort, they've got some Some levels of, right, right. And so, but the laws are kind of crazy, you know, like, especially with the road cruising thing, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, every other state in the union say, oh, you want to stay on the roadside where it's safer because there's people. So uh, to look for these animals, please do. I remember when Texas did that road, the road cruising thing, and we were in Southern Arizona and we were visiting with the game wardens in Southern Arizona. They're like, wait, 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 let me get this straight. So Texas wants you to go up onto private pristine land away from the public roadways, which are already, you know, a detriment to these animals already. They want you to go to this prime pristine habitat and mess with that habitat instead of already, go stay in the fractured habitat, you know, they're like, that makes no sense. Yes. Like, we know, you know, we know, especially since what is it? 97% of Texas is on private land. Yeah. And, and so having access to that is almost impossible. Well, and it's also and, crazy. And so, it feels like a money grab when they're like, you have to have a permit to simply remove a snake from the road. Like I can't legally right. without, without a license and all that, get out of my car and remove a snake from the or road a turtle. And put it, or a turtle and put it in the grass. Cause technically that's breaking a law. But I can run over it. I mean, yeah, I, can, right. I, I can hit it. It's but, fine. 
But then again, I, I really think you'd have a hard time finding a game warden who's going to write you a ticket if he sees you picking up a turtle and yeah. take it to the other side of the road. I, see, I, I mean, I am, I, am I saying go out and do it? That Oh, it's fine. Use your own discretion. But I, I find it hard to believe that, that, that a game warden would be that – you know, now if you gave it a lot of attitude and, you know, you had all this collecting gear in your car yeah, and sure. you had other turtles already in your car, then you got a problem. I mean, if I'm driving around, if I'm driving around at the lake I work at with fishing poles or if I'm walking around with, you know, fishing poles in my hand, it's not a big deal. But if I'm sitting there with poles in the water, well, but I'm not catching anything. Well, <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, and so just, just using some discretion on that kind of stuff because they, they themselves will tell you on the Texas Parks and Wildlife webpage that if you see a turtle on the road, this is how you pick it up and this is how you move it off the road. This is the direction you put it in. Yeah. And you're like, you're sitting there promoting, <laughs> breaking the own law, <laughs> the very laws that you have. But yep. it's again, different divisions and different, different, you know, uh, departments, I guess you'd our, say. Our buddy, uh, and, Terry, remember Terry told us about going out West Texas and herping. And then there were some cases where they're trying to catch people. Well, he, he got stopped by game warden and he had, um, he had a, um, Trans Pecos rat snake. Um, mm-hmm. he had a picture of one and he was showing it to the game warden and the, it was a older game warden and a brand new game warden just out of the Academy. And the young warden is like, Oh, that looks just like the fake one we put in the road. So people will stop. And, uh, Terry was like, are you kidding me? You you guys are actually setting up like you do. He's like, well, it's just like putting out a fake deer for people to shoot. I was like, well, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, I was in law enforcement for a little over a decade in a rural county. And mm-hmm. uh, there were plenty of times, like you said, that game wardens were the first one to a call, especially if it was way out in the county. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some of our less populated areas and they happen to be out there already. Uh, there were plenty of times when they were the one that would find, you know, hey, my car just got stolen and it's headed down this county road, and they'd be the game warden to be the one that would get behind it. Well, I think people need to remember and game wardens are not biologists. A, a state biologist and a exactly game warden are two correct. totally different correct. people. Correct. They're completely different departments. You yes. have, that's like saying that's like saying you know in a college the 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 high or the the uh, basketball coach is the same as the as the physics teacher yes <laughs> i mean you've got you've got two different roles and two different things and people just automatically lump them together yeah oh you're part of texas parks wildlife yeah but you've got different divisions yeah, and different parks, you know parks and, is a huge huge agency it is it is and and you know and so yeah knowing the law is important um and and going back to field harping i would say yes knowing the laws that is for sure important but to me the most important thing is enjoy it when yeah, you're out yeah. in nature, enjoy it. Don't get, you know, I spent the first 10 years, maybe longer than that, of my naturalist outdoors looking for gray banded king snakes. <laughs> I mean, I would go out and it took me seven years to find my first one. Now, that was, you know, 30 some odd snakes ago, but 30 some odd gray bands ago. But it was, you know, it's, I would come home after herping all night and I could see 25 snakes, but no gray bands. And I'd be pissed off. I'd be like, God, this was a waste of time. And now, and maybe it's due to age, maybe it's due to knowledge, maybe it's a combination. I don't know. Uh, but just enjoying the experience, being out in places that most people don't get to see. That's something that, that has really struck me is, is when you're out doing these things, you're going to places that most, the general human populace doesn't go to and doesn't get to experience. Soak it in, enjoy it. Take a look at everything fits together. 
You know, when you're out looking for snakes, you need to look at what other animals you see as well there because it all fits together because you can start seeing relationships yeah. between how these things work together. And so enjoy it and, and, and learn what else is around you. People will be amazed when they find out the different things you can do with different plants and what pollinators pollinate this and how and, and what birds, you know, what their behavior is. It's, it's really amazing that when you see the whole picture. And that's why I try to get kids, you know, here in my, my Clark Kent job. Uh, as public outreach coordinator is just trying to get kids to realize it all fits together and to appreciate, you can't appreciate a part of it without appreciating the whole you have yep. to. And, and, and it, it's just so much more enjoyable. Um, you know, and, and you were talking about journaling, you know, I did that for years. Uh, I would carry a spreadsheet. I'd make a spreadsheet and I'd write down what I saw, what time it's condition, the weather conditions, you know, barometric pressure, wind, rain, uh, wind direction, all these sort of things. And uh, now, you know, there's so many different apps. Uh, are you guys familiar with like iNaturalist? Oh, yeah. I put every every single animal I find, I put in there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, go, go. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, I, uh, my, my avatar, Wild About Texas, is my uh, uh, thing on, on iNaturalist. That's the name of my company. It's what I named my, my iNaturalist thing after. And, um, you know, yeah, I've got like 13,000 observations and 90,000 IDs. And it's, it's addicting. You know, it really, truly is. You can live your life vicariously through others on iNaturalist. You know, if you can't go on a trip, but some of your buddies are, you can follow them on iNaturalist. I, my wife jokes with me all the time. She's like, I never have to know. I don't. I never have to wonder where you're at. I can just open up your iNaturalist account and follow where you're at. There's, a, you know, the observations that you're putting in. That's how it is with my friend, you know, Reed McClure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. With him. I'm like, oh, look, he's in Thailand right now finding this. Or mm-hmm. I've yep. tried to get him to yep. come on the show every time I see him. Uh, I, nobody, oh, yeah. wants to, nobody wants to hear what I have to say. And I'm like, dude, you have such interesting stories. And he yeah. just, he just yeah. won't do it. Yeah. Oh, he's a great guy. He's he a great guy. It, it's really funny because uh, my wife, funny, interesting story about, about Reed was we went to go see my wife's ex-stepmother <laughs> and in San Antonio. And we're driving down her street. She lives, you know, San Antonio. We're driving down the street and we drive by this couple. And my wife's like, hey, wasn't that your friend? Like, what are you talking about? And she's like, there. And I put it reverse back up, and it was Reed. His 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 girlfriend's parents live across from my wife's ex stepmother. Wow, <laughs> so small world, like, very small world. Uh, we, I, I had given I've given uh, my my her her ex stepmom my my um, um, her stepmom. I'm sorry, ex her stepmom my um, sulcata, my big sulcata when I moved down here. Because being in West Texas, I didn't have to worry about him digging through the through the uh, limestone, the bedrock. He wasn't going to dig through it. Right. Well, moving down in this country, you know, having a having a eighteen year old, one hundred and forty pound male tortoise, he's just going to go right through the sand. So oh, yeah. we 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 we, we uh, I, I donated to to her in San Antonio, and it got out one time. And Reed's family or Reed's girlfriend's family is the one who found it. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's like talk about a small world, man. It's yeah. really really funny. Yeah. yeah, he just spent what three months, two and a half, three months in Asia, uh, mm-hmm. finding every all the cool things. Hmm. Uh, yeah, he was yeah. constantly sending me pictures and and then posting different stuff and yeah, just a very interesting trip. But I'm gonna keep oh, working on him. I'm gonna keep working on him. I, I, I sit here and stroke my gray beard, thinking, "Oh, to be young again, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, just to be able to pick up and go somewhere for three months." You yeah. know, is is so so completely foreign to me right now. Yeah, and so, but you know, something else. But going back to the field herping thing, you know, besides enjoying it, you know, know what you're looking for. 
you know, at least have a basic understanding of what habitat, you know, if you want to go look for, um, uh, let's say rock rattlesnakes, you're not going to go to the middle of the Tuolumne desert in the creosote scrubland and look for rock rattlesnakes. They obviously live around rocks, mountainous areas. So, you know, just kind of knowing, knowing your target and, and respecting the area. You know, I saw somebody said, put the boards back, not just the boards, anything, especially like out in West Texas, you know, here, if you flip a log, and you put it back, and it's not exactly. I'm not. I'm not saying to do that, but if you don't put it back exactly, guess what? After five, six rains, you'd never tell the difference. West Texas, you pull up those rocks. That rock has changed. That that dynamic of that little habitat or that little micro habitat has changed for years, and and people don't understand that about the desert. And so, you know, put put things back the way you found them. You know, Mark Heinrich did that. That uh, did you ever hear that CD that Mark Heinrich did with the uh, banjo and all the herp related songs? Uh-uh. Um, he's got a song. Oh man, check it out! It's, it's a '90s thing. Of course, it's on CD, but um, it's called Alterna Rush, and he does a whole. He has two CDs actually, <laughs> uh, and all they are are herping herps and herping herping songs. And he's got one song called "Put That Rock Back, Put That Rock Back, Put That Damn Rock Back," and it's it's amazing. It's 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 really funny, but it's they're actually true words to live by, you know. And uh, you know, to, to replace things, I tell people here when they're hiking, uh, and you see it probably most parts you go to, but but what is it? Uh, leave nothing but footprints and take nothing but photographs and memories. Yeah. You know, if you pack it in, pack it out, and and try to leave it as undisturbed as possible. Um, you know, I'm not a big proponent of not not picking things up. I'm not real militant about that. I know some people who are. Oh, if you see a snake, you've got to leave it alone and don't touch it. Listen, especially if you've got kids and the kids, are, it's a learning experience for kids to let, see, let them feel that they're not slimy and they're not, you know, all these things, all these, all these misconceptions about snakes. If you've got kids who want to learn those things, absolutely pick it up. Now, am I saying pick it up in one tonly, play with it and stress it out and watch what happens when I scared it'll play dead, you know, with the hog nose. No, I don't mean that, but but, you know, I'm not real militant about you must not pick it up. Uh, come on. You know, it, it's, these things encounter, in my opinion, these things encounter predators probably fairly common. Yeah. And and people are like, oh, if you're scared, it's, it's, it's not going to breed. It's just going to die. Listen, <laughs> is that what happens when a badger finds one and it gets away? Is it just all of a sudden going to curl up somewhere and die because it's so stressed? It's going to forget all about it when it gets hungry and when it gets horny or when it's ready to find a mate, you know. <laughs> so, um, yep. You know, so I'm not real militant about that. And, and you know, take it, especially with people who don't, who are just learning. Um, that's something else that I'm, I'm real, you know, uh, some of these Facebook groups. It sounds like I'm just knocking these Facebook groups. I'm Go not. For I'm, just I'm using all for this. it. Well, I'm using, I'm using these as experiences of what not to do. You know, yes. uh, the group, the groups that are like, oh, if it's a dead snake, you can't post it. Why? The snake's already dead. Right. And yeah. if, if, they're legit, if they're legitimately looking for an ID. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about people got on who are like, look at this snake I just killed. I'm a badass. Da, 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 da. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about we were scared. We didn't know what this was. And people get militant about, oh, you shouldn't be scared of that. Listen, that's not how you teach people. Yeah. You don't teach people, tell them they're idiots and that they're wrong. And da, da, da. Once you just, you teach them about, okay, this is a harmless snake and this is what it does. And this is why you want it around. And, and, and this is why it's, it's not going to attack you. It's not going to attack your children or your dog or God forbid your cat, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's okay. And teach using those moments to teach people, you know, um, and, but, but said, Oh, we do, we don't allow dead snakes on here. It might hurt someone's feelings. Well, and the thing so is, what? it so, may save the next snake. 
Yeah. Like the, now they right. know what that is. Right. And, like, you know, I, uh, right. That's that, that snake is already dead. Yeah. That, that's, it's not going to resurrect. It's not coming back. And, and these people are like, Oh, I just don't want to see a dead snake. Well, obviously, obviously you've never been to university and seen the jars, the jars of formalin, <laughs> you know, the jars of death, you know, I mean, is it sad? Of course it is. But especially, you know, you're talking about animals that, you know, it's like they're going out one time killing, um, um, say, indigo snakes or Texas tortoises or something that's, you know, yeah. that, that that's not uh, that's not common. You know, usually it's like a Western rat snake, uh, which always be Texas rat snake to me. But that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but, you know, it's 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 usually a Western rat snake. You know, it, it's just one of those. It's 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 typically a species that's extremely common. Is the loss of that one specimen, while sad, is it going to be detrimental to the population? <sighs> Not at all. You but, know, and, and any so, chance to uh, educate? Because like, so the, we we tend to take walks in our neighborhood at night because it's just it's hot as hell. Um, and the other night we were out <laughs> walking, and I don't know, I saw on the edge of the of the road, right, going into someone's yard, a little tiny snake. So I ran after it, and it was a, a little rough earth snake. And so I took some pictures of it and put it back in the person's yard. And then I posted those pictures on our neighborhood Facebook group, explaining what it is, what it does, and how it's harmless. I was like, to give everybody a chance, this is it. And it's funny. I got a lot of likes, no real hate on there. No mm -hmm. one said you should have killed it. And I was very surprised at yeah, that, so actually. Um, but I was like, I need to take this moment to, to show what's in the neighborhood. Because I know people see this. Even one person goes, oh, yeah, I have these in my flower bed. I'm like, yeah, they eat worms and stuff. They're, they're, they're harmless. They're great. You know, there's one of those things that people go, oh, look, it's a baby copperhead. Because that's always the, always <laughs> that's the, the go-to. Them and decays. That's the cotton mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And it's, it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. And as an educator yourself, you know, that, that you get that very satisfied feeling when people, when you see the light bulb switch, Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, we've got neighbors who, when we first moved in, they didn't know who I was or what I did or any of that stuff. And they were talking about all oh, the copperheads and the coral snakes, and da, 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 which we do have a lot of, but you know, he came over one day and he had just killed a rough green snake. Oh. Now, had I been on one of those Facebook groups, I would have been like, you sorry sack of crap. What are you doing? Killing wildlife. And da, 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 da. you know, could you clearly see, you know, and that, but, but I didn't do that. What I did was, I, what was funny was, it was nothing resembling a copper. It was a rough green snake, whatever, you know. <laughs> so but I just, but it was, yeah. But I was just able to sit and talk with him about this, about this animal and what they do. But guess what happened the next time? He found a real copperhead. He didn't <laughs> kill it. He called me. Well, that's awesome. And so it's just, you just have to take the time to just be be nice i think that's what's happened so much well, almost like an old man on a soapbox but i think that's what's happened so much in our society now is people don't understand that people are people and some just because someone doesn't agree with you or doesn't know doesn't make them bad yeah. <laughs> you know and 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 you need to just take the time to get to know people and talk to people and as a teacher you understand this you yeah. you 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 teach you educate by getting to know these people and 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 taking the time that's the biggest thing is just taking the time it was funny. well there'll always be people who yeah there'll always be people who ignore you i'm sure you have students oh, yeah. who you're like hey you know i can't do anything for you i, I can't and but there are people like that yep. move on you can't you can't focus on that go to the next person who does want to learn See, it's funny i you talked about the guy coming to get you to remove a snake so in my old school district in louisiana I became known as a snake person because I'd bring snakes in for certain lessons because I teach biology. So I'd bring them in for genetics and I'd bring them in for classification. And so one uh, one day is it's a professional development day. And so all the teachers basically in the district are at one high school all doing professional development classes and this and that. And I'm sitting there doing a class and someone walks in, looks around and finds me and walks up and goes, hey, 
there's a snake in the library. We need you to come down and get it. And so they, they come down and there's this rat snake wrapped around the cords of a computer staying warm that I had to remove from this library. But it was funny that out of everyone in the school district, <laughs> they knew he's here somewhere. Go find him and get him to get this snake out of here. Yep. Um, but they didn't kill it. But that, but that comes through education. Yeah, that yes. comes from you being you and being a, being personable and just saying, hey, this is, you know, and, and, and being nice about it. Uh, you know, I, it's, it, like I said, I'm, I'm pounding these snake, snake or these Facebook groups. But to be honest, that was one of the premises of the book. There are so many different groups. You know why? Because people want to know what they see in. Yes. I mean, it, it's it's people want to know. And, and that's to me, that's awesome. That means people are curious. People are wanting to learn. The p- people who don't care and don't want to learn, don't focus on them. Focus on the ones who do want to learn. Well, I think and that's why the premise of the book, the, the, the premise of the book, the way I set it up the way I did, you don't get on when somebody IDs a snake, a Western rat snake. They don't go on and talk about the taxonomy changes over the years. They don't talk about <laughs> this snake gets to be this big and it breeds this time of the year and it has this many eggs. Is that information great? Absolutely. But leave that for people who want to know that. Yeah. Most people want to know, what did I see? You know, what, uh, you know, is it dangerous or not? And a few basic facts. Mm-hmm. And that was what I, that was the premise of these field guides was something, like I said, that, that an, an experienced herpetologist could use. But something that an eight-year-old could pull out and say, "Hey, that's a Texas spiny lizard," you know, and, and to be that, to make it that simple. Well, and I think you're starting to see a change. That don't get me wrong, there are still tons of people that are like, "Kill the snakes; they should all die." But you're starting to see more people online, non-reptile people, in some of these neighborhood groups and and stuff like these, in these small town groups that are on Facebook. That when someone does post a snake or something, they're actually more positive towards it. Starting to see more and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more of we'll just leave you, it alone. Don't mess with it. Don't kill it. You know. Oh, my neighborhood. What I'm encouraged. What I'm. In, oh, I'm sorry. What I'm encouraged by is seeing people who who will post a picture of a snake, and they'll say we don't know what it was, but we know it wasn't dangerous. So you know, and it just we let it go on. It's, yeah. And, and yes. you're seeing people who don't know what it, who don't even know positively what it is, but they're letting it go. But the or first thought is to kill it. Yeah, or even like a coral snake. I saw one today posted it. Somebody's like, we saw this coral snake. We're pretty sure it's a coral snake. Can you confirm the ID? It, we, it went along its merry way. And you're yeah. just like, yes. Yeah, you know, we found my my daughter. Uh, she was six years old at the time. We're walking in the backyard. And, and she looks down, and there's a little coral. Well, I say little. It's a 20, 20 inch coral snake. Nice. And you know, what she, you know what she did? She went, oh, don't touch it. I mean, it's that simple. And people are like, people we were talking to, you know, lost their mind, would lose their minds. And I'm like, you know how many times we've probably walked past that coral snake? How many times that coral snake has crawled along our sidewalk and we just didn't know? Oh, and yeah. it, it wants to avoid us. You know, just teaching people, well, does that mean there's more? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but guess what? They they want to avoid you. They don't well, they don't want to fight with you. So, they don't, you know. They, speaking of coral snakes, when you do your uh, snakes of South uh, South Texas, I guess we're, we're South Texas, South. I don't really know where we've, we've fallen between, but um, are you going to do, when you do coral snakes in your books, do you give some of the ones that are the non-typical patterns, some of the aberrant patterns? Because that's one of those ones that really gets people. Because we have like a population of black ones down here. Right, right. But even that population is still less than 1% of yeah. all coral snakes seen. Yeah. I mean, it, you, to, to us as snake people, we're like, oh my gosh, look, look, there's another one found. There's That's six in the past five years. Yeah, but that's also four thousand coral snakes that have been seen. Right. You know, and and I, I, you know, I, I again, I'm not real militant on that whole the whole rule thing. You know, like, oh, you can't use the rule. Generally speaking, you kind of can. 
I don't promote it. I in no way, shape, or form do I promote it. But I'd also I'm not militant that you can't use it because people are like, well, you shouldn't use a rhyme. Why? We use a rhyme for driving cars when we're talking about the stoplights. <laughs> we use a rhyme when we're talking about, you know, we're like, well, but it's different when you go to other countries. Well, it's different when you go to other countries for coral snakes, too. You know, are there aberrancies? Always. There's always rules of nature. But you never what well, here's what you've never seen. You've never seen in the state of Texas a coral snake that has do you have black ones? Yes. Patternless ones, yes. But you'll never have you ever seen one that has instead of you know yellow, red, black, having one have them reversed and look like a milk snake. You just right. don't see that. You no. don't see that 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 combination. Yeah, that most they're missing a color. They're not reorganizing the pattern like that. Right. They're not reorganizing the color the color pattern. And so, you know, so I'm not real militant about that. I do tell people, I say, listen, this is the rhyme, but here's the problem with the rhyme. You can forget the rhyme. And if you're relying on nursery rhymes to pick up a snake, you shouldn't be picking up a snake. And I tell people, I've said, I've I've said, I've got a better rhyme. If you don't know, let it go. (laughs) So just, just, it's, 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 you know, no one in the history of mankind has ever been injured by a snake, even venomous snakes by just walking away. Nope. Just walk away from it. You're Uh, you're not going to get injured. You're forgetting all the cottonmouths that chase people. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> you know those. except all the broken ones yeah. that we find. Yeah, every every cottonmouth we've yeah, ever found yeah. that just tries to get away. I'm like, what is wrong with it, this snake? I have a broken it, one in my house. You know, it was so funny. Oh man, you know, living in West, living in not growing up in San Angelo, but I was in San Angelo for about 20 years, and that is as far as far west as the cottonmouth goes. If you look at the range maps, mm-hmm. they go through a little swath of Central Texas up to Dove Creek, uh, the Concho Valley, the Concho River, and I lived there. And I was intimidated by cottonmouths. I had never seen a cottonmouth before. And I'd heard the stories. And this is even after being experienced, you know, at the nature center for a while. And I was just like, man, cottonmouths, that just scares me. And I had Dick Bartlett came out and he was wanting to photograph some spot-tailed real estate. So I took him out to a spot to get those. And I, we were talking about cottonmouths. He's like, oh, they're they're easy to find. I'm like, dude, I've walked this lake back and forth. I've never seen one because you're, you're looking in the right spots. We went out one night and we go to this real popular fishing area down below the spillway. And he goes, Cottonmouths love this kind of habitat, this shallow, stagnant water, da 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 da. And we're walking. There are people fishing everywhere. It's about 10 o'clock at night, middle of the summer. And we're walking. And he's like, like, there's one right there in between these guys who are fishing. They had no clue that snake was sitting right there. And we walk a little further. He's like, oh, here's another one. Oh, here's an. Of course, we didn't tell the people. We were just real <laughs> quiet about it, you know. And because we didn't want to cause a mass hysteria, and I, I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, "So cottonmouths aren't the aren't what they're all cracked oh, yeah. up to be, you know?" And now that living down here down here in Jackson County, you know, it's like that's probably the most common venomous. Not probably that's the most common oh, yeah. venomous snake we see here, and and it's like you know, I tell people all the time, it's amazing that these stories that go on because I've never had a cottonmouth act you know, the way they're supposed to. Not one. You just you just you just don't see. It. I've had them active. I tell people snakes aren't aggressive. But they will defend themselves aggressively. I've had rat snakes if, if, way more upset with me than cottonmouths upset with me. Oh yeah, but but even then though, it's still a defensive mechanism. Yes. It's not a I want to attack you. It, yes. It's holy crap! You've scared the crap. It's kind of like uh, I tell kids all the time. Well, I tell kids, but mostly gave it to the parents. I'm like, it's like when you're in a bar fight, right? When you're in a bar fight, if somebody says, <laughs> "Hey, you want to go?" You kind of huddle, right? You know, <laughs> you don't huddle up like this. You make you, you get up. You 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 make yourself look bigger and that's what mm-hmm. these snakes are doing you yeah, know right. look at it from their perspective 
That'd be like me swimming in the ocean up to a great white shark and thumping it in the nose and saying, you want some of this? Right. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know? say, yes, I do. Yes, I, I will do. Yeah, that. as a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> right. And, and so that's what these, and, and, and try to get people to, to understand that. So that's what, that's not what the snake is doing. He's scared. And, yeah. and so he's just trying to act tough. So you'll leave him alone. So, uh, so the other, I had another question that I posted that got a lot of, I think I've posted this one before, but sometimes I post questions multiple times because it's crazy how many new listeners we get mm-hmm. we had someone post in our group today like, i finally listened to all 187 episodes i'm like what the hell is wrong with this person <laughs> like, why'd you do that like i made them and i but i mean but there's always new people popping up and so, so these questions are new to them so it was what one species do you want to see in the wild and why and we had some pretty good answers so i'll go through some of them and then we'll talk about some of the ones that we want to see i know you've you've seen a lot michael but i know that there's stuff out there i'm sure you still want to see in the wild um, but, uh, Ryan Goslow says, um, Komodos. I, I think that's like, on like everybody's list though, to see Komodos in the wild, just cause who doesn't want to see basically a dinosaur, you know? Right. I mean, it's freaking awesome. Um, and then he did get to see Nile Crocs in the wild, which I've taken care of Nile Crocs. I would like to see full on giant zebra eating Nile Crocs in the wild at some point. That would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, maybe not them. Okay. I do want to see them eating a zebra. I'm not going to lie. I want to see that whole migration and all that, but I just want to see, a massive wild croc. Um, it's funny. Jason Brumley said Crotalus horridus. For those that don't know that, that is uh, timber rattlesnakes or cane brakes, depending on where you live. Um, but he like he lives in the range where they're like in his area and he's never seen one. Yeah. But don't worry. Oh. I, I haven't either, Jason. I've had people bring them to me when I worked at the zoo, but I never saw them myself. Uh, Carl England wants to go see yellowtail Kribos in the wild. Uh, would love to see it coming into contact with a Bushmaster or a Ferdlance and eating it. That, that would be kind of a cool thing to see. Uh, just all the snakes you see at one time right there would be cool on its own. Jason Moore says, I know they're extinct, so he's not playing the game properly. God, Jason, come on. Uh, Titanoboa or Megalania, uh, yeah, just m- massive animals. I bet he probably wouldn't want to see those. <laughs> <I'm about> to <laughs> say, he, he wouldn't want them to see him for sure. Right. Uh, our buddy Megan said, every species of sea turtle they were our first love. I do want to see a full-grown leatherback because mm, yeah. I've seen some pictures of just massive leatherback tortoises that you just don't realize how big that thing gets. So I would like to see that. Uh, Megan said marine iguanas. That's Galapagos. I want to see everything on those islands. So that's that's a. I want to see all three iguana species. I want to see the tortoises, everything. Uh, and then Megan also said, any Australian snake species, which would be cool. I, I own several of them. I would love to see some of those things in the wild. Corey had Corey Martin had one of the best answers. Tuataras. Yeah. I, I'd love to see a Tuatara in the wild. She said, because. Yeah, you don't need a reason. It's, yeah. it's, the, it, it is its own reason. I mean, they've been around since the age of dinosaurs. They're not a lizard, even though they look like a lizard. They're totally cool. I meant to comment, but never did do it. We'll get your answer in a second. Uh, Jessica Lee Anderson, the author that we had on last week that wrote the uh, Reptiles Children's book, uh, she did say leatherback turtles. She said leatherbacks, uh, to get a sense of their size, again, uh, compared to like Kemp Ridley's sea turtles, which are much smaller. Um, she's still yet to come across eastern hognose, uh, and she would love to see one of those along with an eastern indigo. I've come along southern hognose, and they're solid black, and uh, talked about not picking up snakes and messing with them. I I did spend quite a bit of time of just flipping them over every time they play dead, just so they'd flip themselves back over. Cause it's hilarious. Cause they'll just keep doing it over and over again. Uh, Joe Smith said any dry mark on, especially the Eastern Indigo. Yes. I'd love to see a full grown Tyson Dallas said Eastern Indigo. Danielle said leeches 
or any Candoya or maybe a retake. I, I think a lot of people should see retakes in the wild just so they realize how not fat they are. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it is not a fat snake. Yes. They, they climb trees. Yeah. Well, mo- most snakes, they, they, you know, that's why they, going back to the zoo thing, just real quick, and we get back to the, the, yeah. the answers. But, you know, that that's something else that, you know, you, you see, you've seen a change in zoos as well. Used to be, you know, they would just, well, the snake acts hungry, so feed it. You didn't have these massive, like these Western diamondback rattlesnakes or Eastern diamondback rattlesnakes that were, you know, this big around. Well, it just wants to eat all the time. You know, I remember a keeper at a zoo back in the in the late 80s, early 90s. He had a rock rattlesnake he would feed rats to. And this thing was just massive, just so obese. <laughs> and and it's like you go look at these snakes in the wild. You know, we got down to the point when we'd catch a gray band, we would weigh it. We'd measure it and weigh it, figure out how many grams per inch it weighed and try to maintain that weight in captivity. And it's amazing because they, 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 they're most, most animals. You've, you've never seen an obese snake in the wild ever, not just retics, right. but any of them. Oh yeah. Well, so that's, so I was going to bring this up later, but I'll bring it up here. So the post that got in one of the Brettles pythons groups, um, someone we know, Casey Cannon, who breeds Brettles pythons. He's done it for a while. He keeps he's a great keeper in Australia and yeah. them where they live. And yes, great keeper. He posted a picture of a 10 year old male, which is probably maybe five foot, but very skinny. Like it fits in his hand. Male brettles, mm-hmm. ten years old, very healthy, and of it's course, skinny, some, it's just it looks how it should. Someone has to go after him, saying that he's cheap and he's not taking care of it properly. He's not feeding it. That thing should be much bigger. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, you don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> this guy understand like, and then he started to accuse Casey of not caring and just keeping these things in tubs. And I'm like, that you're not talking to the right person here. No, Casey has huge allowance. Uh, he just did not feed this thing a large rat every week, right? And it's right. You know, that that's what people always well, they get bigger in the wild. Like, but do you know how old the snake is that you may see in the wild right. that's bigger? Like it may be thirty right. years old. Well, that guy that was telling him all that well, was that, Australian that, too. Yeah. So I guess but he doesn't live in Australia anymore. No. So But well, look, that, I've got Americans that, that live here, but I'm not gonna trust all of them on rattlesnakes, right? Sure, sure. Of course, of course. Well, that's you know that, that's something we got with the lepidus a long time ago. Is people people not get on to me, but they're like, they're they're amazed when I find out I feed my adult male leps because I we you know we breed lepidus lepidus and clobberi maculosus marulus all the, you know and some other little undescribed things that I feed my males eight to ten times a year. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And and people are like, oh, you're starving them. No, I'm not. They're perfectly healthy. They're great, and and they're great breeders. They they in fact they look heavier now than they did when we found them in the wild. Yeah, they're probably and, more and now the than they thing were is, when they were in the wild. Right, and and it's amazing too. Is 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 people are like, well, but if you if you feed them fast, they get bigger. You can breed them faster. It's like my corn snakes. I don't breed my corn snakes, so they're four or five years old. Yeah, same I mean, like, well, You could breed them at you could breed them at eighteen months. Well, just because I can doesn't mean I should. You know, I mean, I let them, I, I like to let them grow mature at a normal rate, you know. Well, and that person, that's rock- good. No, no, as you say, like with the rock rattlesnakes, you know, I don't pair them together until they're at least six years old. Well, and that person that's saying that you can do that cannot also argue for care of the animal nope. because in the wild, right. they're not breeding it two years old, three years. Old. I think a lot of people would be amazed that to find that most snakes breeding in the wild are probably closer to four five, six, seven years old. Cause it takes that long to get enough food to get that big, to be that old, to do like, they're just not eat that much. A lot of people would be shocked at my male boas. I keep my male boas in, in 70 size tubs and they don't get really bigger than about four and a half foot. Um, mm-hmm. And they have perfect muscle tone and everything. One, I have found that smaller males do the job better. They just, mm-hmm. they're not lazy. 
but they don't gain fat. They're going to live longer. So it's just, you know, again, that's someone who is not to me is not a reptile person, but has only owned these animals in captivity and only knows the small bit of knowledge they've gained from Facebook, most likely. And then they're sitting there trying to challenge somebody who knows what they're talking about. And then it's funny. Nick Mutton decided to chime in and I told Nick Mutton who breeds every sort of uh, snake from Australia. I was like, what do you know? You should read this book. And then I posted a picture of his own book about <laughs> on that post about, yeah, about, that. about carpet it. pythons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just this one dude. Everybody's like, uh, dude, you, you sound crazy. Just, just shut up. Like, and then people would post theirs. Well, here's my mail. My mail's this big. I'm like, yeah, but you're making the point. Like, that's wrong. It's not supposed to be. You're not making it in your favor. That doesn't work. So, again, that's Facebook experts. It's there's a world full of them. Uh, Absolutely. Let's get back to some of these. So Todd Autry had a cool one. This is one that I still can't believe. I guess I think it's hard to take care of in captivity, which is why it's not bigger in the hobby and we chase after stuff. But Todd Autry said green rat snakes, and when he says green rat snakes, he doesn't mean red-tailed green rat snakes. He means mm-hmm. green rat snakes of North America, and I think people don't realize we have a decent sized green snake in this country that no one keeps, but I've heard they are hard to right. take care of. They're not too bad. Again, if, if, if you meet their, their requirements, they're very easy. There are several people who breed them. Um, really? you, they just have very, very specific requirements. Centiculus triaspis They're they're uh, yeah. I know several people who breed them. We've bred them before uh, years ago. Um, but they are, but you have, you can't keep them too hot. Yeah. They have different activity, different times of activity. Uh, and the food, again, you can't, they're not corn snakes. You can't pump them full of food. You can't, you know, just feed them and feed them and feed them. They're not going to, they won't thrive at all. And, and so, um, God, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. There's a guy, remember the Southwestern Research Center of Reptiles, uh, SWCHR. He breeds a lot of them. He breeds, he breeds all these different localities and he doesn't, same guy, what you're talking about the other guy. He just knows how to yeah. take care of them. Well, it's, and, it's, and he said, it's very, once you get it down, it's, it's easy. It's just, it's just getting to that point. They're a cool snake, you know, and sometimes like, we've talked, the, our, one of our favorite snakes, both Robert and I, we, we will never be able to own because we obviously can't feed it, but that is the mud snake. You know, the mud snake oh, yeah. is one of the coolest snakes on earth, but it doesn't fit our feeding it rodents to the diet. Like right. it doesn't do it. You can't force it to do that. It's not going to do it. Nope. Millions of years have said right. this thing is eating salamanders and it's not changing for you. No. Um, right. And so right. That, I mean, that's another problem with a lot of our keeping. And I don't say it's a problem. It, it, it's just a thing that if you're not willing to put in some of that extra work of being able to get food for certain things, the, the regular old fatty mouse or fat rat diet that we do for most things will not work for everything. Like I know someone that keeps a mud snake, but he's also a guy who his entire job is he does snake relocation or removals in Louisiana yeah, and mm-hmm. spends a bunch of time out in the swamp. And he has a pretty good supply of amphiuma and si- sirens. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it only eats like three times a year. Yeah. Because it eats. Yeah. They, they don't. Big ass it, It's amazing. Yeah. The natural history of these things. Well, what you were just saying about that was the premise of our study with rock rattlesnakes, the comparative growth rate study. So we set up data, you know, so we took, we exported in, we brought all these animals that we, I'm sorry, we imported these animals in, we bred them, and then we fed them very specific things. We Now we had to do it by hand because we really couldn't. Uh, we did different mixtures, you know, a rodent mixture and a lizard fixture and just do comparative growth rates and to see which, you know, because we wanted to see which one they grew. We just assume that they grow faster on rodents. Like you said, they've got more fat. They've got this and that. So we assume that's what they do. But yet in the wild, what are they eating? They they utilize their tail is called alluring. You know, yeah. they utilize their little yellow tails 
to they're not coddling pinky mice <laughs> who can't see anything. Right. They're coddling lizards, right? Lizards and amphibians. And so that was the premise of our of our comparative growth rates. I hope we get that get that thing published here pretty soon. Is it's not like we don't have any other irons in the fire at the moment, but that's just another one of those another one of those little check marks that needs to happen here. You know, the next couple of years for sure. Um, going through some of the other ones, our buddy Max Hicks. I don't know. It's a scientific name here. Tr- I'm gonna try this one. Trimersurus pop. Trimersurus waggler or popier? No, it's not a waggler. It's another one. It's like it's red and green and white. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Popiorum. Purple, yeah, yeah. Purpurium, purpurium. It's a cool viper. It's a cool green and red mm-hmm. and white viper. It's pretty neat. Uh, and then he also said uh, any squams. He'd love to see squams in the wild. Uh, our friend Louis Patoe said Alterna, which he can do. He he can just go out west Texas and see Alterna. You know, that, my other problem with uh, talking about uh, classification, my other problem with Alterna, I don't hate Alterna. I think they're cool looking snake. My problem is the hobby side of Alterna. I can't get with the whole locale of it's on this side of this cactus next to this rock, so it's different than the one on the other side of the road. I can't. I can't do that. It, it, could, it could go to extremes. I, I used to be one of those extremists when it came to alternative. And I still pretty much keep, you know, uh, my, my guads together and my Christmas mountains together. But I'm not. But those are so large much, areas. It, like that's a. a right. Right. Well, that, yeah. The people who are like, well, I caught it on the south hill of the Christmas mountain. So I can't bring it to the north hill of Christmas. You're like, that's three football fields. That snake, <laughs> that male can crawl that distance in three nights. You yeah. mean to tell me just because you didn't catch it at that time that they don't have contact with each other? Right. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's my but Yeah, some people are that. very, oh, yeah, yeah. And, well, and there's some of my problems, too, is people are like, oh, they're just so rare. They're not rare. They're actually a very common species. They're just rarely seen. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like the mud snake. The mud snake's not a rare snake. Oh, yeah. You just don't see them. Right. And it's the same way with, with Alterna. You know, they spend and, most and of their so, time hidden back in a rock somewhere. Yep. And they have just, no reason to come out. Right. We just happen to catch them when they're out either trying to eat or make babies. Right. Or they've, they've eaten and they're moving somewhere else to, 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 to camp out. And yep. we just so happen to catch them on there while they're moving. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's a lot, a lot about luck and a little about skill. <laughs> uh, our buddy, Sean Gray said thorny devils, blue tongues, bearded dragons, frills. Yeah, any of the lizards from Australia. I would love to see a shingle back in the wild, just because that is a weird lizard. Yeah. Walking backwards with its tail wagging around like a head. Uh, Jared Dole said Galapagos tortoises. Again, anything on the Galapagos Islands, I'm all there for. I just want to go. Yeah, uh, because un- that's the one thing. You know, Houston Zoo just built this big, huge Galapagos exhibit. It's great. It's a great it's exhibit. It's great. It only has one animal from the Galapagos, and that's the Galapagos the tortoises. tortoises. <laughs> Everything else is... They have it's a uh, representation of what is kind of on the Galapagos yeah. Islands. And they tell all, you that yeah. because they can't bring anything in from right. Any, they can't right. have the, the marine iguanas. Yeah, they, 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 have blue, have. they have blue iguanas. And I'm like, that's, well, that's like from the other side of South America. But cool. It's still I get it. Yeah. Uh, but it works. And then they have uh, sea lions and they have penguins, but they're not Galapagos penguins. They have uh, several other things. And it's cool. But the, the tortoises, I'm like, yeah, we can have those because they're all over the place. People have yeah. tons of them. Um, but it is still a cool place, and it, it's awesome to see. Yeah, it is. Uh, and it's brand new. Yes. Todd Sanders had an interesting one that I wasn't expecting to see on this list. Chinese water dragons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't see those anymore? I think they're I like, just logged in. they're not even, I, something about importing or something with the hobby. Yeah, I remember hearing something that you won't be seeing them anymore. Because they used to be super cheap and all over the place. Yeah, you Which you definitely don't see anymore, and obvi- there's an obvious reason for this one, but is the Australian water dragons being Australian. Um, but 
that's a cool looking water dragon. It's brown. It's got this really, the males have this really cool looking head. Um, they're a neat one. Well, apparently the Chinese water dragon too is like a, it's like a social creature. They live in small colonies. Really? And, and yeah. And, and so I would love to see that behavior exhibited, you know, other than a YouTube video. Yeah. And What's, so that would, that would be kind of, that would be kind of neat. It's like those little lava lizards watching them jump up and grab flies. Mm-hmm. Like in the video, of the little lava. I'd love to see that. Uh, our buddy Douglas Ray White said Bigfoot. Uh, he loves the Bigfoot. Uh, Chupacabra. Chupacabra. Yeti. Uh, our friend Drew Schultz over at the Learning Zoo said Indigos. I mean, he's got one, so he wants to see one in the wild. Uh, blue Iguanas and obviously Komodos. Everyone wants to see a giant dinosaur. Um, so I don't – I my list is kind of weird. I, I would love to see rubber boas in the wild. I want to see a rubber boa in the wild. I love them. Again, I still can't understand why they're not more popular in this country because they're a freaking awesome snake. But mm-hmm. I would love to see that in the wild. Mine is a speckled racer. A speckled racer? Yeah. Why not? There's a very, very, very small area in very deep South Texas where you can see them, but you can't handle them or anything like that. Uh, I wouldn't well, be surprised if Michael. Oh, in Mexico. Yeah, well, in fact, I have, I've never seen one in Texas, but in Mexico, let's just say they're 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 not an uncommon snake. Yeah. You know, I hate using the word trash. You know, people say, "Oh, they're trash." I hate using that word. Yeah. But in, you go to you go to Mexico, speckled racer, Jarmobius. Yeah. Trash. <laughs> so, but 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 it's still you know it's so funny because. You, you mentioned that I'm real big in the natives. So everybody has all these exotics and that's great. That's fine. I, man, I'm still, I'm still like natives. You know, I've done a lot of stuff in Texas and Arizona, New Mexico, Mexico. Um, you, you guys are probably going to laugh at me, but I think, I guess mine, uh, my white whale in Texas is the plains garter snake. Um, it's only known from like nine specimens in the, up in the panhandle. It's a, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. again with the T word. They're trash, you know, in Kansas, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Illinois, Indiana, but there's this one population that lives in the very northern part of Texas, like the northern up, up north of Amarillo. Um, there's like six counties where there's been nine specimens ever recorded, wow. and and that's that's kind of my white whale. We've made a few trips up there to look for those things. You know, like it's a garter snake, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a native garter snake that you know that that, think- that would probably be. When we were in Amarillo a couple of years ago, when we were way up north of town, if we would have found one, we would have known that, that was no. rare. The <laughs> one thing I got to see up there that I thought was cool that I'd never seen before was, um, what was it, the like Fowler's Cow Fowler's Couch Toe? It was the one with the green spots on it. Oh, and I was yeah. like, that's a cool. Oh, the Woodhouses, probably yeah. the Woodhouses. It had big like, neon green spots on it. And I was like, this thing's mm-hmm. awesome looking. Yeah, we, we were in Amarillo for a reptile show and it rained that evening. So mm-hmm. Russell was with us and he's like, we need to go out herping. And, uh, cause it, it was, it had been like in the nineties that day and then it rained and, mm-hmm. and, uh, that was, I mean, we didn't see any snakes that no, night, but, but I'd never seen the toad, that toad in the wild. Right. That was cool for me. Um, oh, that's, that's actually a very cool find in Texas now because the Woodhouse's toad, toad is, is an indicator species on the health of the, of, of prairies. Yeah. They're a total grassland species. They used to be found throughout the state of Texas. You go through, look at historical records. Uh, they were found here in Jackson County, Harris County. Uh, they've been, they, they were recorded in South Texas in Trans-Pecos. They were found in the grasslands of Trans-Pecos. They haven't been seen in the Trans-Pecos for 30 years. Huh. Um, they haven't been seen here. They haven't been seen here in decades either. Um, North Texas up, up in the Panhandle, uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, they still have a, a nice population holding on, but they're pretty much, 
gone from the majority of the state. Well, and it, it all has to do with, yeah, it all has to do with the grassland habitats. Well, because you talk about it, it used to be grasslands down here until they came down and started introducing trees and, and tallow trees and doing all this stuff down here. Yeah. But, you know, my grandfather was raised here in Galveston County and um, he grew up on a dairy farm. And mm-hmm. it was, he used to always talk about that you could see all the way to Halls Bayou uh, from mm-hmm. our house because that was the only trees were on the bayous. And then they brought in the tallow trees when they built highway six and they just took over and, and killed the prairie here. And, uh, the tallows and the, and the rose hedge. Yeah. The, the rose, rose hedge, hedge as well. That stuff is huge horrible. detriment. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I used to, uh, I used to guide hog hunts on a, on a ranch out down on the coast and we had huge, I mean, rose hedges bigger than a truck Yeah, and those pigs would love to go if they were wounded, that's where they'd go up in those rose hedges and I'd have to crawl in there and get them out in my smaller <laughs> days. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that was, you know, in the thirties and forties when it was still uh prairie here. So it wasn't, you know, in the, in the span of history, it wasn't that long ago. Um, and it, you know, just what it's changed. We still had a small dairy farm growing up, um, but not, you know, nothing like they had when he was growing up because you just didn't have, you just don't have the open, the open land for it. Plus <clears throat> they didn't have the, uh, uh, the fire ants back then either. Oh yeah. You know, fire right. ants, fire ants kill everything. Right. Yeah. Um, so well, so- what's interesting what most people don't know about fire ants, do you know, we've got like seven species of native fire ants No, that, yeah. that are pretty much, pretty much innocuous. It's the imported, the red, imported the red, red yeah. fire ants. Those yes. are the, the, Which and so came in from, but, but we actually have, <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks, Alabama. I'm, I'm from Alabama. I know that one. Came in from Mobile. <laughs> but uh, well, I want to talk. We to, to kind of a good transition. We want to talk about invasive species. We had talked about uh, before we got on here about invasive species. Um, I think I, I think one thing about ants. I think a lot of folks don't realize that they're invasive. I think so many people have been raised right. around them. They just like it's it's part of this. But I mean, they've really changed the landscape of of wildlife as well. Well, it's interesting because you have some that, that find you, you do have some invasive species or invasive, non-native. You don't want to say maybe yeah. invasive because it sounds like such a detrimental term, but non-native species, for example, like the Mediterranean gecko. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, same thing. People like talk about the little geckos that are on their walls and their garages and their front porches. And little do they know those weren't here prior to the 60s or 50s. You know, and and they've just grown up with them and they just assume that they're here. They've always been here. You know, but there there are species that has really found a niche that they're they're not out competing any any native lizards for food. They found a niche. There were no other and no other lizards living in that habitat taking that, that prey, and so they, they they they've been pretty innocuous. But you get other species like um, um, oh I don't know well, we have uh, the, spine-tailed iguanas the brown, or brown anoles. Yeah, I mean they've really yeah. out competed yeah. a lot of the green anoles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can remember being in Florida. Uh, back in the early early two thousands, late late nineteen ninety nines, but I remember we were out and we found a green anole, and we were with the wildlife biologist, and he was like, he was very excited. He's like, you don't see these anymore. Yeah. We have all these brown anoles. We don't see these anymore. Um, you know, I know where you guys are at. You have the brown anole. It's really interesting. They have a very interesting distribution because uh, they, you know, they're found of course in Harris County, Galveston, along the coast, they, and they cut out around Bay City, and they don't repop up again until about Corpus Christi. Or Aransas Pass. Huh. So this part of this section of the coast, you don't have them. And knock on wood, we won't for a while. <laughs> but, you know, you know people, people are hard, find it hard to believe. There's like 
17 or 18 species of invasive uh, lizards that have been, or non-native lizards that have been recorded on iNaturalist. Now, a lot of them are, you know, onesies and twosies, a northern curly-toed lizard. Those are obviously pets. Yeah. Those won't be included in field guides because those are obviously pets or, that were released or whatever. Uh, things like the Mediterranean gecko, the brown the brown and old. But now there's other geckos now, like the Moorish gecko is well-established in San Antonio. Yeah. Uh, I think I was looking today, there's like uh, 60, no, like 104, I think like 104 observations of those on iNaturalist now in San Antonio, just in San Antonio. It's the only place they're found in Texas. They're not even from here. Um, but you've got like the uh, Southeastern Five Line Skink. If you guys go down to get to... Uh, of uh, the Fitz Cove down in, down in Galveston. Yeah. It's a species of lizard that's not found east of the Mississippi, I'm sorry, west of the Mississippi River. And there's a healthy population of those things. Oh, that's funny. There. I'm used to uh, them being from got... Alabama, Mississippi. I mean, I'm, I'm used to seeing those. Yeah, yeah the, the Pletodon and Expectatus, they're in Texas. They're down in Galveston. Um, the tropical hot, but you've got several species of geckos now that are starting to show up, other hemodaculus besides the Tersicus. And, um, you know, so there's a lot of lizards, not very many frogs. There's only like three, three non-native frogs that are established, the Cuban green or the Cuban tree frog, the greenhouse frog. And there's one other one. I don't know what it is, but you know, there's been things like an African clawed frog found. Yeah. Well, again, it's, a release the it's not a stat. Yeah. It's not established. Well, yeah. That, uh, well, Cause it's, it's gotta be an animal that can withstand the hardship of getting here. Cause a lot of them come over in textile or plant shipments and stuff from other countries. Frogs, obviously being an amphibian, it's a little trickier for them to make it versus a lizard, which can, can kind of make it through some of these rush, these rough, uh, situations on the way here, and then they do so well once they get here. Right, right. You know, we have really, we have, we have, animals have used us to get to other places. For example, in Big Bend National Park in the Mula Chihuahuan Desert, you go to the Rio Grande Village right on the river, and you have squirrel tree frogs, green tree frogs, green anoles. Well, where did those come from? They probably came from Houston. They probably came from people people's RVs. Yeah, and they came went camping down there. And now they're but they're established down there now. Those were definitely not natural migrations. You know, those weren't natural occurrences. Those those they piggybacked on people's RVs and vehicles. Yeah, you know, uh, I remember driving all around South Florida. Um, we got back to North Florida, and there was a Cuban tree frog under the hood of the car. Oh, jeez! And had we not had I not had I not checked the oil, I could have driven back to Texas with that thing in under the hood of my car. Yeah, you know, and so. Um, they, they get through by anthropomorphic me- means, but yeah, I, I mean, was, it's, 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 it's pretty crazy. I was in the HEB parking lot last night and I look up on the front hood of my car. There's a brown and old, it popped, must've popped out from underneath the hood and it's sitting there and I'm driving around and then it just ran back and hid back into the, my truck. Cause I have an entire population <laughs> of them on my front porch. Like there's a ton of them out there. You have those in the, in the meds. Oh, yeah. And the Mediterranean, there's a little Mediterranean gecko every night I see on my garage. I've, I've watched him getting mm-hmm. bigger over the last couple of weeks. He's, he's growing. <laughs> Um, but you know, but also when it comes to invasives, it drives me nuts that people don't know the difference between invasive and then animals. So the one that always gets me and we've talked about before on here is coyotes. They're not invasive. Right. They, they got here. Like we killed the predators and they're here. They, they migrated right. here because there was nothing else here. Like the range just expanded. But then when you tell someone a cat's invasive, they fucking lose their mind. And I'm like, but no, right. the coyote, but like they, you want to kill the coyote. It got here because you screwed up nature. Then you brought the cat here, and you're like, "No, it's fine, it's okay, it can kill it." Well, actually, the coyotes, the coyotes are a completely native species. Yeah. They were, they were, their, their distribution was from Florida to California, all yeah. the way through. Yeah. We, but we pushed them back, 
And now they've kind of made reappearances. But you know what you're saying about the cats. It, it always cracks me up when people talk about that, about, oh, my cat's just, he's outside and he's bringing me little gifts. He's bringing me birds. He's bringing me lizards. He's bringing me, you know, it's, it's, it's just, and, I'll, and, you, and you just sit there scratching your head as you're sitting there saying, you love animals and you love nature. And they're like, well, it's just nature being nature. No, a jaguar eating a parrot is nature being nature. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's that's a feline eating a bird in nature. You're you're introducing an apex predator. You're introducing an apex predator into a into an ecosystem that is not prepared for it. And have y'all seen the studies by like U.S. Fish and Wildlife and the yes. Audubon Society about the number of birds? It's ridiculous. I mean, we're talking billions. We're talking billions with a B. I mean, we're talking innumerable amounts of songbirds that are killed every year. My cats and people are like, oh well, my cats—they would never do that. I love that. Really? Are you with your cat? I love, I love I'm that like, they would never are you kill. with your cat twenty? Yeah. Are, are yeah. you around your cat twenty-four hours a day? No, you're not. They're, and here's the thing: and people are like, oh, you're you hate cats. I don't hate cats. I hate outdoor cats. Yes. Yeah. That's what I say what all other animal? What are what other animal do we allow just to roam free? If my dog is running around in somebody else's yard. I could get into trouble. If I let my my bowler loose outside, people would lose their minds. And I'm like, he's just, he's fine. He's, it's nature. He's okay. Well, let's let's not even look at snakes that what people can still consider to be, you know, fringe or whatever. Look at what we consider domesticated horses, cattle, donkeys, goats, chickens, any of those that you let just roam free and get in somebody else's yard. It's, it's, it, you could be in trouble, but cat, ah, it's Okay. Why? Why is it okay? Yeah. You know, and that to me, it's not cat cats are doing it's it's such an emotional topic. And if you remove emotion, think of it logically, it's like holy crap. But they refuse to think logically because you compare it to something like hogs, because it's the same situation. Everyone's okay with shooting wild hogs. We know they're horrible. I'm like, but the cat does worse damage ecologically than the don't get me wrong, hogs are doing horrible damage, but the amount of things cats have caused to go extinct, that that list is larger. it's crazy. And again, it's such a charged, uh, emotionally driven conversation. And you, you got to be able to talk about it logically. And it's, it's one of those, it's like, well, people are like, Oh, you hate cats. I don't hate cats. I don't like people. Yes, it's no. a people problem. It's not a cat problem. Mm-hmm. You know, cats, the cats are just doing what cats do. They're not, they're not doing anything out of the ordinary. It's the people who allow them, you know, and, and don't even get me started on this, you know, Capture, neuter, release. Oh my god! You know, we, yeah. Trap, neuter, release. Yeah, they did the hard part. They caught it. And, and right, the guys, uh, right. Beginning in my neighborhood now. By the way, what uh, we're starting to get stray cats in the neighborhood. You know, yeah. the neighborhood's still pretty young. The people that run our HOA are big TNR people, so they've started this whole TNR thing, and they're giving out traps and they're paying for the. And I'm like, if I catch it, it they, there's no, there just be trapped. Yep, it's done. <laughs> That's it. After that. Don't worry about well, it. Well, that's why I always tell people we should kill cats, out, outside cats. And people look at you wrong. I'm like, I didn't say torture. I didn't say do it. Kill. Right. Just yeah. Quickly kill. Outside. We would do the same thing to any other animal that doesn't belong there. And what kills me is when you tell someone it doesn't belong there. Well, it's nature. I'm like, no, 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 no. We made those. It's not nature. I'm like, we, they're always like, well, humans right. don't belong here either. I'm like, yes, okay. and we screw things up too. Yes. The cat being part of the problem that we cause. Right. And you're like, you're like, thank you for proving my point. Thank you for <laughs> saying, that, you know. Well, it, it, I don't know if y'all remember, you know, that that vet tech in Austin, I don't know, is probably 10 years ago. I lost Facebook friends. There was a vet tech who had a bow and arrow. There's a cat in her yard. She shot it with a bow and arrow. And it was a very quick quick death in this cat and i'm not celebrating that i'm not doing anything like that but it was a obviously a quick kill where, yeah. where it hit the arrow hit 
And then she posted it on Facebook mm-hmm. and she was immediately fired. People went to press charges. There were death threats, all sorts of stuff. And I was having a conversation, which I thought was a rational, logical conversation with someone on Facebook, which I should have known right then. <laughs> they okay, don't exist. Happening. <laughs> they don't exist. But I was like, listen, the only crime this person, because they were like, this person should be put in jail. And I'm like, the only crime this person committed <laughs> was being stupid enough to put it on social media. Yep. <laughs> That's their crime. Well, it's, and she was like, how can, how can you get, she's like, you have dogs. Why would somebody shot your dog? If my dog is in their backyard, that's my that's my fault. Yeah, well, but <laughs> so, you know, it's so would weird. I be sad? Of course. What we accept, okay, right? A rat comes into right. your house. We're perfectly okay putting out a rat trap and killing it. Yeah, we're perfectly okay putting out right. rat poison and letting it poison itself and die. But when you say cat, it's a completely different mentality. Like it's the same issue. We're it's. It's not different. It should not be because it will be like it. It will be illegal if you if someone sees you killing animals in a neighborhood, they'll they'll come after you with pitchforks oh. and. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure, uh, for sure. But if I go around killing hogs but, or rats or other invasive species or snakes, or snakes they're okay with that. <laughs> yeah, we had a guy right. in my neighborhood, densely populated suburban neighborhood, shoot a plain belly water snake in his front yard like five times with a pistol from across the yard because he was too scared to get close to it sitting in a rock garden so you can imagine where all these bullets were going and he could right. not, he could not believe that i thought that was stupid <laughs> he told me only god, it's, god it's, can judge him and not men and blah 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 tell that to judges yeah well to, uh, so i said well but, but then again that's just one of those where you just have to chalk it up. To you're not going to change his mind. Nope. You try. Yep. But what you do is you 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 move on and educate the next person. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. So, yeah. You know, you got to let that guy do what he's going to. I mean, I, I don't say do what he's going to do. You don't want to, you know, just condone that behavior. But you just got to know that, you know what? You got to keep going at it. Maybe you can keep talking to him again next time something happens. God forbid something somebody gets injured from something like yeah. that. But, um, you know, just, just keep visiting with him and just keep talking to him. And, and who knows, maybe someday, who knows, <laughs> who knows? I find, I just, I find invasive species very interesting. And I find what people have issues with for, you know, Florida is the weirdest thing. And, and it's funny because there's a lot of invasives there that we put there on purpose and that people celebrate. So especially when it comes to like fish, right? They put peacock mm-hmm. bass there on purpose. And now people go to South Florida to catch peacock bass. Well, and put cane toads there on purpose too. Yeah. So. And I'm like. But why? Like th- th- that's still a problem. Like it's it's never. I always find when when people try to use biological means to get rid of biological means, I'm like, stop that. That's never worked. Yeah, not right. once. Don't do it. <laughs> stop right. it. Well, it's it, it's so funny because Florida is so feral now. I mean, yeah. try name, name something besides an alligator that's native to Florida. Right. Yeah. I mean, you of course you can, but you know what I'm saying. Yes. There's so many other things that come to mind. Even here at our lake, you know, we've got three species of plant. That that people just don't understand. You know, we've got that water hyacinth, and, and oh, that man. is a that bad, bad plant. And well, I remember a friend of mine out in West Texas was like, "Hey, I saw when I came fishing, you had a bunch of hyacinth. Can you bring some out?" To no. Me? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, hey, number one, it's illegal, <laughs> and number two, not only no, but no, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. You do not. Want, could you imagine if this got into the Rio Grande? Oh, I mean, the way goodness. it chokes out, the way it chokes out a large lake, imagine what it do to a small river yeah. that's already has enough water issues from, you know, con- conservation issues from people, you know, draining water before it gets to the, to, to the, uh, to down to, down to the, down to the ocean, you know, and down to the bays. And so it's just, yikes, 
you know, but, but just people not understanding. And again, it goes back to the big E word. You know, I think we have to continue to use that word as much as we can. We educate. You've yeah. got to educate people. This is this is, you know, and you, but you can't be as a society. We've lost the ability to educate because we view people as enemies or we view them as something that that is worth less than somebody else because they have this viewpoint. I think we need to learn how to have conversations again. And, and that's how people learn. Well, we and, live in a that's world the of, only way people learn. We live in a world of definites. It has to be one way or the other. Right. right? That's that's where we live now. Uh, and it's not right. always true. Um, but down at the water hyacinth, there's a, there's a spot in Louisiana. I used to love fish. There's a black water bayou. I loved going fishing there. And uh, right before I moved here, I went out there and basically it looked like you could have walked across it. You couldn't see water anymore. Mm-hmm. It was just straight water hyacinth because it reminded me of that we talked earlier about going herping and finding trash animals. Although jokingly, no, you know, obviously we are happy to find. I mean, look, I'll find the fiftieth cottonmouth on a night, and I'll be happy with the fiftieth, just like I was the first one. Um, right. But that's how I am like fishing. That spot is full of uh, bowfin. I love to catch bowfin. I think they're crazy awesome fish. Oh. Um, and just every time I see someone that will post it like in a fishing group, go, "This is a trash fish." I'm like, "You're an idiot." I was like, that one, it <laughs> fights better than any fish you're going to catch in fresh water. It's got teeth. It's prehistoric. It breathes air. It's one of the an- an- ancestral, yeah, it's one of the ancestral fishes. I mean, I was, those things are like, they're amazing. I was like, you can't find something. Like, it is so cool. But they're like, yeah, but it eats other fish. I'm like, but but that's what it does. So do bass. I'm like, but that's. that's what, so, <laughs> so do bass. So do sunfish. So do cichlids. I mean, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, people will see it and they'll want to kill it. They go, it's a snakehead. I'm like, no, no, this has been here for millions yeah. of years. Like, you l- learn your we, wildlife. We have yeah. that. And, and that's where it gets sometimes scary because we had, this is pro- this was years ago, and I heard this story from somebody here in in, in the county. Uh, but it was, the, it was a game warden that was like two or three before now. But he was telling people to kill every bowfin they saw oh. because it was a snakehead. It was an invasive snakehead. And that goes back to just not being educated, being educated in the laws, but not in the wildlife section. Yes. That, that's the wildlife biologist who needs to, who needs to educate on that, you know? And, but it was just, they were just like, well, I think they're native deer. No, no, no. Those are those snakeheads. And, you know, everyone you catch, kill it, kill it like gar, you know? And you're just like, Oh, oh and you hear, hear that too. I'm like, don't, don't kill them either. Like, yeah, I, I know I was fishing once down the coast in Louisiana. I watched a guy, my, we took our daughter. We're fishing at night off a dock just to catch anything. Guy catches a, a hardhead catfish. Gets it on on the uh, boardwalk there, and then just proceeds to beat the ever loving crap out of it and kill it and put it back in the water. I'm like, if you don't want to catch catfish, quit soaking shrimp on the bottom of the water. I, don't, I mean, <laughs> like you can't you can't be someone who loves nature and loves going out and doing stuff in nature and then kill nature for no reason. Yeah. Now, that's almost akin to someone letting their outdoor cats having 50 cats in their backyard and then not, not understanding why they don't have birds their bird feeder. Right. Because you're a cat feeder now. I also hate All of a sudden you have a smorgasbord, yeah, yeah. For, for the cat. I hate when they're like, I have pet cats. Really? Yeah, we feed cats outside. Those aren't pets. You're feeding wild animals. Yeah, Those are not pets. pets. Right. Order. Yeah. Right. All right. We, we're, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're coming up on our two hours. Uh, oh, man. Are we really? I know. Yeah. There, there was a lot of stuff and there was a lot of stuff we didn't get to. Like, I. I definitely want to get into some more of the rattlesnake stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to get you back on here so we can talk more Lepidus and more of like Mexico and some of the stuff you saw there with some of those species. Cause I know that'll be really awesome. And I know Max Hicks was interested oh, in I hearing could, that, but 
Uh, I could I could sit and tell stories forever about Mexico. I mean, we've made over forty trips in ten years, and uh, yeah, it was it was definitely fun times, fun times. I imagine herping there sometimes has to be very interesting, and maybe not always in the. It's best like a whole place. other country. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a whole other country. Oh, but uh, but thanks for coming on. If people wanted to absolutely get a hold of you or find out about your books or anything else, how can they find a hold find out about that and get a hold of you? Uh, the best way, honestly, is probably through our right now through our Facebook or through our social media. Wild about Texas. Um, go to a, go to our Facebook page, Wild about Texas. You know, we just posted. We just did. Um, you know, some of the programs we offer. Um, I do venomous animal safety training. So, for example, I was two weeks ago. I was in Big Bend National Park training staff on how to safely remove and identify and remove venomous snakes. Um, and then this past weekend, I was in Eunice, New Mexico at the nuclear enrichment plant, teaching their chemists and their security how to do the same. Oh, wow. And so I've got a bunch of po- pictures posted of, of our trip to Big Bend and some of the things we were doing. Um, but but I would say definitely the, our Wild About Texas Facebook page. Follow us uh, it's on, uh, on Facebook, Instagram. We do have TikTok. Um, uh, you say, you say that reluctantly, like we do have TikTok. <sighs> Well, you know, it's one of those that, you know, everybody's like, you have to do this. You have to do this. It's like, all right, all right. You know, and so we've got a few, a couple of videos on TikTok. Uh, we do a lot of stuff on Facebook uh, and Instagram. Um, we, we post stuff. In fact, my wife is like, you've been posting too much stuff. Like, I mean, like every day we've got stuff going on. And so she's like, quit posting so much. All right, all right. Just add that to my little checklist of things I need to do. But uh, that would be the easiest way. Just go to Facebook, Wild About, just Wild About Texas. And, and, and follow us there. And uh, uh, we, we reply to messages pretty quickly and be glad to, you know, talk, talk books, talk anything. And I'd be glad to come back on sometime and yeah. talk about yeah. Mexico and LEPS and some of the stuff that we were doing there in West Texas. And, you know, I've got a lot of gray in my beard. I've got a lot of stories. <laughs> we can talk about your uh, speckled racers. That you want to, that you want oh, to yeah. Um, tra- trash snake. <laughs> I, w- <laughs> I wish I would talk to you sooner. And, and so we have a big reptile day. I'm going to talk about this also. We had a big reptile day event coming up this Saturday uh, here in one of, near one of the local neighborhoods here in South Houston. Uh, it would have been cool to have you all come out for that. It's a, it's a pretty good event. But for anybody else listening, if you want to come out this weekend, uh, reptile day it will happen in Meridiana. It's about 15 minutes south of Houston or so. Um, probably have 1,000 to 1,500 people there, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, lots of cool talks and animals. There'll be crafts and stuff there as well. Really good food trucks. Um, come out. Uh, I will have, I'll have stickers for self. Anybody wants to buy some stickers? Free. It is completely free. Yeah. There's no cost to be there. Um, and we'll have some pretty cool animals and you can come feed tortoises and all sorts of stuff. So anybody listening, come out and see us. Well, I'd like to invite you guys too to come by sometime. Uh, you know, here at Texana Park at the Nature Center. Love to show you the Nature Center and uh, and uh, Robert, have you come by and take a look at some of the laps in the personal collection? And yeah, uh, yeah, love to invite you guys to come over. You guys aren't too far away. No, yeah. drive by there quite often. So then we have to drive by there and go go visit. Adding it to my yeah, yeah. And extend the invitation. You guys come by. That'd be awesome. Um, everybody listening, we will be back next week with uh. Somebody. I don't have anybody yet. I have somebody for two weeks from now. We'll be back next week with somebody. Oh, next week will be Wednesday. Robert, I'm telling you now. Next week we're doing a Wednesday because Tuesday is Halloween. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we're not doing this on Halloween. Uh, but we'll be back next Wednesday with a guest. Again, check out Robert at for racks. Check out VivTech products for your LED UVB light bulbs. Again, these are UVB bulbs that last longer than the six months, the cheap ones at PetSmart. I say cheap. Nothing's cheap anymore. The ones at PetSmart. Um... So yeah, 
uh, Michael, hang out for a second. Thanks for coming on. Uh, we're going to close it out. Everybody else, we will see y'all next week. Check out our website that uh, Nathan put up for us again. That is reptilegumbopodcast.com. Uh, good night.